If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Let me ask you a question real quick. Do you ever want to live in a fantasy world where the most handsomest guy always ends up with a girl and he may at time travel to bend a secret prince but no one in the story ever asks any questions. You can live on Park Ave with a salary from Mickey D's or walk from Denver all the way to New Orleans. But me, I prefer all the reality and the truth bombs drop from the crew at RTP. you, you got what we need. But you keep us wanting more RTP, yo You got what we need Cause roasting is your technique I'm gonna tune in every week Laters, baby But not too much laters Cause you got what I need. I mean, if we're gonna start the episode, we gotta wait for Paige to start the episode. Yeah, but, well, I, was, Paige, I was just gonna <laughs> yeah. maybe sorry, start the episode. Re- so why don't you start me such a fucking asshole and start the episode, Paige? <laughs> now you all get to see what Mikey's Look, really like. Now you've upset the titty baby bitch. <laughs> Are you referring to yourself, Mikey? No, I'm talking to you, you titty baby bitch. <laughs> I'm just glad the Talk- listeners finally get to realize what Mikey's really like. <laughs> you fucking awesome. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Mikey made us watch The, the half, half of it. it. So I'm assuming none of us have seen this before because it's a relatively new movie. Yeah, I had not seen it before. I had not seen it before either. Same. I was on a mission to find non-depressing Pride Month romantic comedies. And you picked this one, Mikey? I'm a sucker for a good coming-of-age romance comedy thing. You are. I mean, I would throw Angus into that category, even though Mm -hmm. Angus had way less romance than this movie does. But, like, yeah, Yeah. I I would say that that is, like, your rom-com wheelhouse. Yeah. But, so how did you feel about this one? Since it was all of our first time, how did you guys feel about it? I enjoyed it. I was having a really emotional day, so I struck the right chord. I feel like I really related with the big dumb idiot guy. I definitely saw high school Mikey in that guy. Yeah. Yes. Before I learned how to talk about feelings and stuff, I had a very similar experience where, you know, what really opened my mind to uh, was uh, my friend came out to me in college. And, you know, I had some reservations at first and then like I'm, a, I, you know, I'm, I'm just like the kind of the character that this guy is. Did you handle it as badly as Paul does in this movie? No, not as bad as the initial thing as Paul. But I went from like liking Paul in the movie to hating Paul. And then at the end, I was like, OK, he's not that bad, I guess. They're also 17 he grew up in this religious small town. Yeah. He he researches it. He thinks about it. He empathizes. And he comes. Yeah, that's what I mean. He grows. That's and why, I, and that's I, and why like, I said by the end of the movie, I don't hate him anymore. 
But like yeah. when he's like, oh, you're fucking going to hell, you gross piece of shit. I was like, oh, fuck Paul. I'll burn a fun fact right now. Cool. Uh, because the the person who wrote and directed this film, they have come out to talk about that portion of the film. And they said that their intent was for him to sound sad. Oh, he does. And not necessarily. Uh, and that that's the what the emotion he's supposed to be bringing. I think part of the problem is is that a lot of the acting in this movie is not great, unfortunately. Coming of age movies, it's definitely a roll the dice of the acting kind of thing. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I, I was, as a kid, as a younger person, I was way more judgmental. I mean, so was I. And I had experiences, like, where my friend came out in college. In, like, I'm in Mississippi, you know, I'm... I had a very big journey from like, can you know, more from the right to the left through that time. And one of it was, you know, this guy, uh, one of my close friends um, came out to me and, you know, really opened up about his emotional experience and stuff. And, you know, I ruminated on that and really thought about it. And like a, a lot of my open mindedness uh, and acceptance came from my relationship with him. And that was way before my brother came out. But I think that experience very much prepared me for when my brother came out. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it did because like hit that experience was when I was like, okay, because you know, that guy, he was a preacher's son and he was like, why would God make me this way? And he was like crying because that's like, not how it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, and I think if you watch this movie under the lens of like, they're just kids. Cause I also think both of them make the mistake at first of putting this girl, this third girl, this hot girl on a pedestal without really knowing her or having a connection. Oh yeah. Which is like a lot of yeah. movies do of like, they didn't really know her. And they're yeah. definitely manipulating her. Yeah, I mean, Paul's yeah. like saying he's in love with her and has never spoken to her. I was like, you're not in love with her. But so did the girl. So did the girl. No, she yeah, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she also had yeah. a crush. So, I mean, I think if you view this movie in a lens of like, these are kids who are just trying to figure it out. It's it's more palpable to me. And I really like the journeys their characters take because they they do start off at a different place and end in a different place in this movie. And I really enjoy watching that. I think there's a lot of some pacing issues. Oh, yeah. yeah. This movie has a colossal pacing mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. But I really yeah. like the relationship. And, it, and it, to me, it took me a long time to figure this out, too, because like, like Paul, he likes this girl because he has this like notion of what it's supposed to be like of someone you love. He likes her because she's pretty. That's right. all that he Full sees. Stop. Yeah. And he's not good talking to her or anything. No, it, he not good talker. No, he until but he's really good at talking with the main character. Uh and he's really good at being himself with there and it takes him a long ass time to be like I should be with somebody I could be myself with. Like he had he's like an idiot, but like in a like a lovable idiot way. So I really connected with him on that. He's got about like 7 years to be full Mikey. He's got a lot to figure out between this and there. But uh, I think he goes he starts that journey. And then he stays friends with her. I, I really like the end as well. The end is what made me like the movie, honestly. I, I mean, the end kind of saves it for me, but what Mikey is describing for me is exactly why this movie does not work because it shouldn't be his movie. It's her movie. I didn't feel like it was Paul's movie. I felt like it was her movie. And I feel like she had a journey too. Yeah, yeah. I think they all did. I think all the three main characters, really the only like main-ish character that has no journey, but I'm here for is Trig. Oh yeah, Trig is hilarious. His douche is turned from like zero to 11 and it stays on 11 the whole movie and I'm here for it. I love her journey just as just as much, you know. I, I like, I, I, I forgot the, her name. Ellie. Exactly. This is the problem with this movie. Her name is Ellie. I remembered her name. Mikey's bad at that. I don't remember anyone's names. I don't remember the girl who is pretty. I didn't know Chick's name until you mentioned it. I don't know her dad's name and I don't know the town they're in or any sort of proper pronouns. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, but no, I like her journey of, you know, I think she figures out who she is throughout this and then g- gains confidence and then figures out friendships. And, you know, it, it really shows you that like a safe place with somebody or just acceptance and, you know, being yourself is good and helps you grow. And, and you may not get it what you want, but like, you know, you get what you need. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How dare you quote the Beatles? How dare you, sir? (laughs) So, Paige, what is your argument against this movie? Okay, not like fully again. It's not a terrible movie. Like, I don't want to make it seem like that. So this movie has a pretty bad pacing issue. And I, and I mean yes. like a real yes. bad pace. I agree. Issue. Yeah. The first 45 minutes were rough for me. The entire first hour should be 15 minutes. The whole thing with the dad. Okay. See, I'm here for the thing with the dad. Keep that. But Fuck it doesn't pay off as much. You know what I mean? It like, they could don't... though. That's the problem. You know, I, I know. I'm like, keep all of this if this pays off. But I really feel like it didn't get there. Well, part of the reason why it doesn't get there is because they spend too much time on stories that aren't hers. And that's what I hated because this whole movie, it spends an hour and 15 minutes ostensibly being kind of this romance. And then the last 30 minutes of the movie, we get 30 minutes of a movie that is truly not a romance at all, but is about her discovering who she is, accepting who she is. And then making bold choices because of it. And that's the most important part of the movie. It's clear Mm -hmm. at that point that what the movie is trying to talk about is her being her and her journey of self-discovery. But if that's what it's trying to say, then it needs to cut the whole first hour of this movie because she is a background character in a movie about her own life. And that could be fine for like 20 to 30 minutes total maybe of the movie where she's kind of coming into her own. But this movie spends a full hour, a full hour of her with her friend and fostering this friendship that's not necessarily part of her growing. It just happens to be there. We don't really see any of her emotion about trying to help someone else fall in love with the person that she has put on a pedestal that she has a crush about. We don't get a ton of emotion from her at all until that 30 minutes to the point where this movie almost tries to replace good dialogue with quotes and references, which I hate because they could just be having authentic conversations, which would give us more chemistry. By the hour mark of this movie, she has more chemistry with the straight dude friend than anyone else, but it doesn't necessarily make her a more interesting person. It doesn't foster growth in her. It's really not until she kind of gets caught and has to spend time talking with the the popular girl Aster where they end up at the hot springs that's when she really kind of starts to figure her shit out and make bold choices and do bold things but that's at an hour and 20 minutes into this movie and that drove me nuts i mean i think they spent too much time on it but i think part of her journey is she was a background character in her own life and she was living life like that sure but you can't spend an hour that way like an hour a full hour to the point where like you had loved this movie so much because you texted us about how great it was well i loved i loved their friendship because i have really close best friend and she's a lesbian and we have like a similar kind of relationship where uh, where like you know we're just like each other's champions or whatever and like we're really close so i think i really related to it in that way and i really love the scenes where he makes her talk about herself and like they're more the less about chasing the third girl and more about like just having a genuine friendship and the chemistry that they build i think that's 
that's important for but her. But I feel like that's a different movie. It feels a little like a Cameron Crowe movie where it goes to all of these like weird directions and it's there's like a lot that pacing issue, but it feels very human. I, I guess this did not feel human for me because I felt like someone in her position would have stronger feelings about not getting to be with the person that she wants to be with, even though that person's on a pedestal and it's a crush and it's not realistic. I, I feel like she just was such a she has learned to make herself so small. Yes. That she wouldn't even feel that stuff. And, but and, that and, but that's the thing. I think he keeps her small. I think he does at first until until the until he stands up for her at church. But that's 15 minutes before the end of the movie. <laughs> it is the end of the movie. It is the end of the movie. If yeah. I'm cutting things out of this movie, 90% of it is her and the friend, to be honest with you. It has to be, because that's like 90% of the movie. Like, if you're going to cut something, you have to cut what you have excess of. Oh, it started to feel to me like instead of truly hearing about this person's story and their emotional journey we kept hearing about the straight people around them mm -hmm. and that started to really bother me i can see that i understand why they have all of those elements though like i understand that through the friendship with paul she discovers how to be herself and to make bold choices and then like she makes a bold choice with Aster. So like I understand why all those elements are there. The problem was letting someone who's never directed before direct this movie. She's directed one other movie before this, but they were 16 years apart. Okay. And I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Saving Face. But this needed a second pass or a different director um, because yeah. the pacing issue was pretty bad. Although I think I ultimately liked the movie. Probably won't ever watch it again, but I understand why people would like this movie. I liked it. I, I hate the fact that you guys talk worse shit about this movie than Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. No, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is also awful. And we talked mad shit on it. But you both will, work, will watch that one again. Yes. Yeah, because it's hilarious. Yeah, because oh. it's actually like really, really funny in its terribleness. This movie, yeah. I think, is worth watching. I'm not saying it's not worth watching. I think it's great. It's just the first hour Maybe 40 minutes. Whenever the hot springs scene happens. The hot springs are at an hour and four, 15 minutes into the movie. Okay, so the first hour and 15 minutes should be 30. And then they should focus more on what happens after the hot springs. And there should be yeah. more scenes there. You can tell they filmed other things. And like I think all three of us are kind of on the same page of like, I like the genuine message, but I think it is told in a weird way. Because I can tell that the teacher was supposed to have a bigger role. And yeah, and, and I did like the teacher too. That was one of the parts right. that I liked. What I found really interesting interesting reading through fun facts there's a lot of interviews with the director and the director talking about how they felt about certain aspects of the movie and why they did certain things and a lot of it did not translate well to the point where it really felt like someone made intentional choices that they thought translated well to the viewer and there's a disconnect there so I, I think it might be a little bit of that it feels like there's cutting room floor with the teacher relationship with the dad relationship really important things that I think about her that did not make it into the final cut for some reason yeah because believe it or not at the end of the movie what do we know about her other than that she's gay and likes to read and that she's going to college instead of staying in that and that, in her and that she's she's going to college yeah and we only learned that at the very end and, and that she uh was born in china what else do we know about her well that her mom's dead and that really made her sad did it make her sad or did it make her dad sad we never really see her grieve about it we don't see a lot of her emotions in this at all and so i felt like i didn't know her through most of the movie I mean, really, the only time you see her reflect on her mom is her mom and her's picture in her guitar case. And it's just yep. there. There isn't like yes. longing looks at it or anything that would emote some sort of sadness from that. I do think the song that she plays 
at the talent show is about her mom, but it never tells us that. We don't have any insight okay. into why she wrote it. I have a question about the song too. Did she tell him about the song? I don't ever remember her telling him about the song. I don't remember her telling him about the song. So that scene was cut out or whatever. He, I think maybe he sees her playing it. I don't yeah. remember that, but he must have. I don't remember it. When he was like, play your song, I was like, was I not paying attention? But I was like, I felt like I was really paying attention. Well, I, I feel like it wanted to give the song weight, but it hadn't given us the context to apply the, that weight to that song. But that's what I'm talking about. We spent how long talking about his sausages and how long talking about this song that's an emotional touch point for I him. have to talk about the sausages. Can I, can I take like- I'm, I was actually very interested in the okay. sausages. No, we need to take like 45 minutes and talk about what a fucking sausage taco is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because wait, what does he call it in the movie? Yeah, taco sausage. Taco sausage. Okay, so taco sausage, to me, in my mind, should not be just a sausage in a taco. I think the sausage was actually spiced with Mexican spices. Yeah, I think it was taco seasoning in the... Because he talked about changing the sausage recipe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or or chorizo, like a, Mm -hmm. a homemade chorizo instead of like a bratwurst in a tortilla. But it essentially is just a sausage inside a tortilla? Yeah, but flavored with Mexican spices. Like Like a hot pocket. But with a taco. <laughs> so in my mind, if it's a taco sausage, it is just a sausage that tastes like you're eating a taco. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. But it's in a tortilla. Yeah, then why put it in a tortilla? Like, it made no sense to me. It should be a sausage taco. Because you put regular brats in bun. Yeah. Yeah. You put a brat in a bun. So if it's a taco sausage, you put it in a tortilla. I understood the tortilla because for me, it was like a hot dog bun, except because it was like taco flavor. Now, what I will say... They seem to be just eating them in just like tortillas out of the package. Yeah. I think you got to fry that tortilla and put some cheese on it and and truly make it like a taco sausage. Well, I think they're dumbass kids who don't know how to cook. Yeah. That, yeah, of course. If you're putting <laughs> a sausage in a taco shell or a taco, I don't know, delivery device like a tortilla. Yeah, with toppings. Yeah, that is a... Sausage taco, not a taco sausage. If the if the actual wait, sausage wait, part the thi- no wait, hold good. on. This is the part that's bothering you is just the order of the words. Yeah, the way he said it. I know, I know it's ridiculous, but that oh. did this is bother insane. me. A You're lot. mad about taco sausage? I, I'm on your side, Paige. I'm on your side. I don't understand the problem with calling it taco sausage if you're flavoring it with taco seasonings. Right. My problem with it is if it is a taco sausage. Yeah. It is a sausage by itself that tastes like you're eating tacos. Who eats sausages by themselves? A lot of people eat sausages I, by themselves. I have done that. Yeah. No, but like at breakfast on a plate or something like that, but yes. not just like holding one and just biting pieces off of yeah, it. Yeah, thank you for giving me a good example of when people just eat sausages. But if you're eating a sausage taco, that is a taco filled with sausage meat. And that is what he is giving people. I think that is... Ridiculous. This is the strangest <laughs> hill to die on. Yeah, I, no, that's how I felt about statue. I think you're both wrong all the time. One time I melted cheese onto saltines and dipped them in salsa and I called it nachos. That's what I did in high school. Oh, no. Okay, hold on. We can't be on the same team anymore. Uh, th- no. We're all three really disconnected on this episode and I like it like that. All right. We've been getting along too well. So let's all just <laughs> pick really weird I like, hills I like that you're like, we've been getting along too well. I definitely spent 20 minutes of the last episode just glaring at you through zoom but like we've been getting along too yeah, yeah, well yeah. well i was not here for that pick that was i don't want we don't have to we're not gonna rehash past we don't you know one of the keys to arguing page is to not bring up past arguments 
<laughs> I wanted it wrapped in a tortilla because without the bun, it needs a carb uh, replacement. I agree. I feel like you need a vessel so you don't burn your hands, but also so you can contain the delicious sausage mm-hmm. meat. I also agree, but then it is a sausage taco. I disagree with your weird naming <laughs> rules about it. I think that's bonkers. I stand by it. I don't want to go through the scene by scene. I want to debate this for an hour and a half and then just call the episode. Just call the episode the taco sausage sausage taco <laughs> debate. And that's the movie. We debated that for an hour. We- <laughs> There's points on both sides. We're going to let you at home decide. So yeah, let's just run through the movie scene by scene so we can talk about it. So this movie opens with a quote that says, love is simply the name for the desire and pursuit of the whole. Yeah, it is. I think it's a little unhealthy. <laughs> I think all the love quotes in this movie are a little unhealthy. I was like, I, I don't thought, think the I person who, too. I don't know that they understand love. But so it also then uh, proceeds through a, a quote from a Greek story that I know we have seen in another movie and I could not remember which one and it was driving me nuts. But it's the story of we were all born with uh, like four arms, four legs and two faces and then the gods split us in twain and you constantly go through life trying to find your other half, which I think is again super unhealthy because someone shouldn't complete you, they should compliment you. Basically like you should be a complete person on their own. But I want four legs right and i think you said this the last time it came up and i if you remember what movie we did on this show that had this myth in it yeah what what oh my god please please tell me what it was because it was i couldn't find it it was driving me nuts you definitely made the four leg joke last time i gotta stick with the three you know what i'm saying todd (laughs) (laughs) no mikey i don't think i know what you're saying what are you saying please explain in great detail yeah please i have a kickstand (laughs) <laughs> so you don't fall over when you when, when somebody leans you outside? Yeah, it's a tail. It grows out my back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you related to Tony the Tiger? I am great. So can you introduce page. us? Can you introduce <laughs> me to Tony the Tiger? My cousin? Paige's inner furry is coming out in this episode for sure. Uh, I'm just saying, if it's just a sausage... It no, is we taco can't. sausage. We can't. If you're going to go back to talking about taco sausage, I think we need to each go back to talking about what our summer's going to be because we didn't cover that when we were recording. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like my winter, crying alone in my house. Except this time, you're going to have a pool. Yeah, you're going to be crying <laughs> alone in your pool. No one will know their tears because I'll be wet in my pool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sad to hear, but understandable knowing you as a person. Yes. And your four legs. So anyway, she finishes talking through kind of this myth and is like, well, I'm pretty sure whoever wrote that never went to high school. They probably didn't because it was like ancient Greece or whatever. They didn't have high school. Yeah, they were already sleeping with a philosopher by that point. And they probably never had a healthy relationship. True. I did really like the animation style and like the way it looked for that like myth. Yeah. That telling of the myth. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I want a partner. I don't want a conjoined twin. You don't want a Bacter? <laughs> you don't want a yeah, Gabriel want a on your back? Exactly. That's where I was going to go with it. I don't want a back to read. I don't want a quarto. That's for sure. A quarto? Quarto. Quarto. It's a quarto. Quarto is what you find on the ground. Quarto is what grows out of your stomach to get them people air on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paige. Get it right. So tired of y'all not getting the details right of these movies. If you had three boobs, you would have got it right. That's where I keep the knowledge. <laughs> it's the extra boob. <laughs> anyway, so we cut kind of through her, like a day in her life, through high school, through changing the, the signal at the train station. Um, And kind of through this, we get to choir practice where we see that she's handing 
people papers that she's been writing for them as they they call it hushmo, but basically Venmo her money. Um, and we also get to essentially we get to her teacher who is like, oh, you wrote six different papers on Plato. Great. Like, good job. And we find out that the teacher's not turning her in, that she's just like, then I'd have to read the actual essays that people wrote. It's almost like she's proud of her and happy yeah. like, that she doesn't have to read shitty high school papers, which <laughs> I know my <laughs> high school papers were shitty. So, like, I sort of get it. Yeah. Well, and, and in the midst of this kind of choir montage, we see her kind of admiring Aster for the first time. Aster, by the way, fully looks 30. She's a 30 year old high school student wandering around this high school. Yeah, she's straight up like in grad school. Like she's she's 21 jump streeting this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> she's an undercover cop, guys. Yeah, the end of this movie should have been her being like, so are you selling pot? No, then I've got work to do. <laughs> she's like, I'm here to bust you for your cheating scandal. Yeah, I'm here from the college board. Uh, this just in, she's actually 25 years old. I mean, she looks every one of those 25 years. I don't mean that in a mean way way justin a she is not a high school student okay but if i date a 25 year old you gotta have to talk the same way about her no mikey you're not allowed to date a 25 year old you can't tell me what to do mom anyway (laughs) so we also find out that the talent show for seniors is mandatory which i can't here's the thing i'm a person who does not mind being on stage but that is a horrendous thing to do to people some people have a serious fear of stage fright and to make a talent show mandatory is insane to me. I that's mean, that sounds crazy. pretty high school to me, Paige. Oh, they never made shit like that mandatory for us. It was Hell like, do you no. want to do it? Great. If you don't, fine. Sit in the back. That's It's all good. You absolutely do not want to force high school seniors to do a talent show if they don't want to. Yeah. Or just anybody. It seems like they were in a small school, so they like made them. I, I, I had like a 62-person graduating class, or I guess 64, something like that, and no one would have ever forced us to do a talent show. Like, it would have just been whoever wants to, and then that was it. We had over 400 people in my graduating class so if we had forced every senior to do a talent at the talent show would have taken days yeah when i saw that they were forcing them to do that i was like this is so dumb i hate this i mean it doesn't bother me about the movie like it doesn't make me not like the movie it makes me not like the school yeah no that was the thing is i was just like this is a bonkers thing to do for a school yeah i mean it's like a one church one school kind of town right where like they're terrible they have to be really small because they've never won a football game too i love that because my high school football team yeah. was dog shit. I mean, they <laughs> they had scored more than once in the past 15 years, unlike this town, but like they didn't make the playoffs the entire four years I was in high school. Yeah, well, we didn't even have a football team. But like, e- even with that, my problem isn't size. My problem is you should never force people into public speaking or public performance if they don't want to do that oh yeah and listen i want to go on the record as saying my problem is also not size and that you (laughs) should not force especially high school kids like i I do feel like there is some value in learning those skills but i think high school kids won't handle it as well as like maybe like freshman or sophomore in college will we had a high school speech class where you would have to give speeches in front of class like that was the public speaking, but this is a talent show in front of the whole school. Well, and I'd imagine like family and friends too, right? Like, yeah, like no, no fucking way would you, no, never. <sighs> yeah. Never would I do that. But you have to have it this way because it's a plot device. Exactly. Well, yeah, that, yeah. That's the thing. There's a lot of things that happen conveniently for them being a plot device in this movie. <laughs> anyway, 
This is also where we get the first of many of her kind of espousing philosophers instead of us learning regular authentic things about her. This is the one that fits the best, I think, where her kind of ethos is hell is other people. Yeah. And and that tells us a lot about her. It tells us that she's an introvert and that she maybe doesn't connect with a lot of these kids. Right. And that's cool. But then they kind of keep doing that same pattern through the rest of the movie and the rest of them don't fit as well this is the one that kind of fits and the rest not so much i don't really love when directors put up black screen and then a quote from the movie we're watching on the screen (laughs) that was very strange that sort of drives me crazy i've seen other films do it but the only film i can remember doing it was like a super indie film that natalie was cast in and i was just like i hate everything about this like don't quote yourself like and make me like really just look at that i felt like that was so like honestly like masturbatory for the writer of this movie it felt weird the only movie i've really enjoyed doing it is everything everywhere all at once oh no spoilers no spoilers i haven't seen it this won't spoil anything but it does it to punctuate sections of the film and each section kind of has its own point and goal and um i I guess mission statement if you want it like thesis uh and so it kind of connects with how that works and then each one builds on the last one that's kind of what what our main problem with is this film is like it's kind of disjointed or disconnected right they try this like animation these quotes and then the first like 10 minutes of the movie they never come back No, and and to be honest, if you took all of the philosophy out of this movie, we would have been served better by just authentic reactions from the character. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is also where we find out that she's going to the local college instead of going away to college, even though she clearly has the grades and the aptitude to go away to college. Um, What I think is funny, though, is that she's applying for college at the end of her senior year or mid-senior year. Yeah. And I'm like... you ain't going to college. <laughs> like that's that's when I applied. You should have applied six months ago. <laughs> Wait, you applied the beginning of your senior year to college? Did you have to take a gap year? <laughs> Paige, I applied in March for college or April. Mikey, okay, that's what? too late. I didn't apply in fucking September though, or August when I first started my senior year. But I think it was like Christmas time or January that I started applying. Same thing for grad school. Oh my god, Mikey. <laughs> I applied halfway through my junior year for for a lot of stuff. Uh, so because I, I was applying oh. for early decision. So by the time like January for the most like by the time Christmas ish rolled around, maybe maybe closer to like January, or March, I knew where I was going already. Like I spent my last semester fully. Of course you did. Because you started applying for college when you were 13, apparently. That's when everyone (laughs) applies for college now. If you want to get into a good school. I don't want to get into a good school. I mean, now now when you think about it, you're like, I'll spend my money other places. Yeah. Quick poll of the hosts. Do you use your degree right now? I guess, Mikey, you definitely do. Uh, (laughs) My degree is in film and media studies. So so we're on a movie podcast. I'd say yes. So I mean, like in your day job. No. Okay. So same. I don't either. So like two thirds of us don't make money doing what we went to school for. Actually, that's not true. Technically, I now make money on the thing that I went to school for. As you can tell, I kind of just randomly fell into my life. So I don't know if I count as a as a solid member of this poll. No, you definitely do. But still, two thirds. That's not great numbers for college. I'm not saying yeah. don't go to college. I'm saying pick a better major than I did. <laughs> 
I might tell you not to go to college, depending on what you want to do. Oh, yeah. Like, there's <laughs> other paths in life to make much more money not going to college and not having $100,000 in student loans. Cryptocurrency. Don't ever buy cryptocurrency. You got to buy the dip. Put all your monies in NFTs, guys. Just like Seth Green, and then have it ruin your film and media studies projects. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so dumb. Anyway, so her teacher's trying to encourage her to go away to school. Now, here's what I will say. School or not... There's definitely a benefit to moving away just in general, whether you go to school or not, because it it takes you out of the world you always knew and forces you to work with the people around you to figure out who you are and how you are going to survive in the world moving forward. I support moving away, whether you go to school or not, 150%. I mean, I honestly feel like you should move to a city and work in a service industry capacity for at least a year. And then you are a complete full human because you know what it's like to have people yell at you because they didn't get their Sprite fast enough. And that is (laughs) a humbling and crazy experience that, I mean, Paige, you've worked in the service industry too. It doesn't have to be a restaurant, any sort of service industry job. I don't even think you need to do it in a city, to be honest with you. I think the service industry is awful everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) I don't think small town service industry is like the good life. I never worked as a waiter. I didn't work as a waiter either. I worked, uh, I mean, I worked in a kitchen. Yeah, yeah. But like Sir Latab was like customer facing, Paige. Like you worked oh, yeah. in a customer facing job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They threw things at my facing uh, yeah, yeah. a lot. That happened to me. Yeah, I understand that completely. I don't think Mikey ever had a job like that, but. Well, he's got the worst version of it now. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I don't think he did that in college or whatever, but now he's dealing with it in a very sad capacity. In high school, I was a, I worked at the mo- the Regal movie theater. Oh, that's a bad one. Movie theater's a rough job. I worked as a uh, soccer referee. Soccer referee was very not fun for little Oh, yeah, kids. I bet parents scream at you all the yeah. time. And then uh, in college, I was a mental health tech. I'd imagine that was like part of why you went and ended up going where you went in life. I really just kind of fumbled into the life I have now. It's really, <laughs> looking back, I don't... <laughs> like, my mom worked for the same hospital system, and I was like, I wish I, wish I could get a good paying job. And she's like, you could probably do this without a college degree. I was like... Could they do it part time? And she like called down there and they're like, yeah, he can interview and maybe he could do it. I was like, okay. And I was a psych major. So it was like, whatever. It was cool. Gotta love nepotism. Little nepotism. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get the presidency or anything, but I got like a part time job. Are you suggesting that we have presidents that have only been presidents because they were well connected people, Mikey? That's ridiculous. Insane. Cough, cough, skull and bones. Cough, cough. I mean, that's how everyone has become president, Mikey. (laughs) Well, yeah. The lizard people choose who the president... They live as a documentary. It is. It's the documentary and warning that we did not heed in the 80s. Why don't anyone listen to Roddy Roddy Piper? Because he talks the way you just did. (laughs) (laughs) And the way Paul does in this movie. Yeah, oh my God. When Paul has his one line about why his mom doesn't want to change the sausage recipe, and I'm like, what did you just say? Was your mouth full of eggs? Like, what is this? (laughs) I was like, I relate to this character so much. I know, Mikey. I I did really see you in Paul a lot because I do think that you would come up with a delicious sausage taco, but call it taco sausage. I don't understand, Mikey. I don't. don't. What? What No, I'm saying to you, we collectively do not understand, Todd. It must be a younger sibling thing. Yeah. Like the English language, like what is the word? Like there's no rule for the word order. So let me ask you this. 
What do you call like ground beef when it's out of a taco but has taco seasoning on it? Taco, taco meat. meat. Okay. What do you call it when you put it inside a taco with other toppings on it? A, a taco. taco. Okay, thank you for proving my point. We can move on. That doesn't prove anything. What are you talking about? If you put a hot dog in a taco shell, what would you call it? Being poor. Yeah. A taco hot dog or a hot dog or a taco? hot dog taco. I would probably call it a taco hot dog. I would call it a taco dog, and y'all are yeah, dumb. Yeah, I would. I taco would call dog it a taco is where dog. it's at. That's basically what this is. It's taco sausage. You just proved our point. I you know. just proved our point. I, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Taco yes, dog. Yes. Taco and you know what a hot dog, dog is, Paige? What? It's a fucking sausage. It's yes. not, though. Yes, it is. Hot dogs are part of the classification of sausages. They are a fine grind uh, sausage. It's like rectangles and squares, Todd. Not all sausages are hot, hot dogs. dogs. But, but all, all hot, hot dogs, dogs are, are sausages. sausages. Okay, hang on one second, because I, I did Google it. I Googled, is a hot dog a sausage? And it said almost word for word what you guys were just yelling at me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I know my meats. That's fucking funny. Okay, we, we got to move on, though. I'm still like, listen, I realize that what just happened, I understand. It still drives me crazy that he calls it taco sausage. So we cut to she's biking home from school and someone chases her down. And this is Paul. And Paul wants her to essentially write a love letter the same way she writes papers for people. After somebody drives by and says choo 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 or cha cha choo. Uh, yeah. Because her last name's Choo. And then I think it's chugga chugga choo choo. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. Like at first I was like, oh, maybe that's one of her friends from school just giving her shit. Because my friends would do that to me as well. Like, but it's clear that they are not her friend. And then I was like, oh, no, he's just a dick. You know what I'm saying? Racist dick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mikey, if you were driving and I was like running out for a run and you yelled something out your window to me, I'd be like, ha, fucking Mikey. Yeah. If you were just like, Little baby titty skinny bitch. <laughs> yeah, but like if running, it was, bitch. <laughs> but if it was like you or Mikey, I'd laugh. If it was just some random listener I don't know, I'd be like, oh, that person's an asshole. You know what I'm saying? Well, and it firmly yes. shows us that she has no friends. Yeah, she doesn't really seem to have any friends. I really kind of wanted her to have a friend. Like, I know he becomes her friend, and that's great. But, like, I I don't know. I wanted her to have some sort of confidant, and she just didn't really have it until until him. I guess she sort of does towards the end of the movie with him, with with Paul, right? But then he, like, when he realizes that she's gay, he, like, betrays her and tells her she's going to hell and she's gross. So, like, fuck that guy. But then eventually he does come around to not be so Awful, I guess. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, like, I think you're a little harsh on him. With, I mean, it, what he says is terrible in the moment, but I, I think for a very sheltered kid, for him to have that and then come around is a good growth. I think it is a good growth, but I, th- I think it would be very understandable if she never wanted to talk to him again. Uh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, I and I think the intention for him to sound sad. I didn't see that. At, I'm with Todd. I didn't see that at all. In fact, but I didn't see that at all. Like, I understand that that's what it was supposed to be. I think that is a badly written scene because one yes, it is I a badly agree. written scene. It took me out of this the movie because it is so not his character for the whole rest of the before and after that moment i completely agree mikey it feels like it's a different person talking i was like 
what? Yeah. And I mean, maybe that is sort of the point of the scene. Like when he reacts in that moment, it's not really him. It's the religion he was born into. And then he Mm -hmm. has to sort of modify that religious teaching that he was taught through research and learning about what it's like to be an othered person or whatever research Mm -hmm. he does. And then he grows. But that's not really shown so much. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like anything is really effectively nailed in this movie as far as like execution. But talking about it makes me kind of agree with Paige more because you get more of an insight on that journey than you do her journey. Exactly. Like we we yeah. see more about him researching what it what it means and how he's going to relate to her as opposed to her figuring out what it means for her. Everyone else we we give so much weight to everyone else's opinion of her and the things that she wants to do as that we just don't get any of hers at all. Like at the end of the movie, when he stands up in the church and he's giving the speech about love, I got angry. I was like, why is he getting this moment? This movie's not about him. It's about her. And then she finally gets her moment. But it's almost like we gave equal weight to him coming to terms with a reconciling his views on on homosexuality, but also his views on love. And it's not his movie. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly don't really care how he feels about it. We shouldn't. It's not his movie. I care about it way less after he says what he says to her. I mean, I mean, honestly, for me, if we never saw him again, I'd be fine with that after that moment. I think it's badly written is what it is. If what they were trying to convey was him trying and reconciling this within himself, that's not what is conveyed in that scene. Well, so like. When when my friend came out to me in college and he was talking about his dad being a preacher and like that stuff, we were like having that talk of like, I was like, do you think you're going to hell or whatever? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, I don't think you are. And like, there was like a conversation about it. Not to, it's, it was just very clunkily done here. Well, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yes. Because yes. he hasn't demonstrated himself to be overly religious the entire movie, except for the one point where she asks if he believes in God but then it's immediately sped over into something else. So it's out of character too. It's just weird. Yes, I think that scene almost ruins the movie because it's built on their friendship and how they're both growing as people based on their friendship. And then she writes it where he, I don't know, it just doesn't even sound like him. I Well, I also didn't like him trying to kiss her too. I, I thought that oh, was out of place also. Dumbass same. That's going to happen with a dumbass Mikey character. I didn't like it, especially after he's the one who like tries to explain that she would give you a look if she wants you to kiss her. And and she definitely did not give Paul a look. Mm -mm. I mean, he did in his mind, which is stupid. A stupid, thick, scold where he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Right. He thinks just because he's comfortable with her. Oh, I have feelings for her. Like he. He's so yeah. childlike. But like, you're right, Paige. I have a way more understanding of him than I do her because of what they've shown. Well, also, he's a lot like you. I think that's why you identify with him so much because you guys are a lot alike in the sense that you're both very like childlike in nature. And I don't mean that like as a <laughs> cut down. Like that's one of the things I fucking love about you is that like you have the ability to be like this very childlike, innocent person. And I know what you do for work. And the fact that you've been able to maintain that is amazing to me. <laughs> but like well, Paul seems like he's just dumb. And I don't mean you're dumb and I don't mean that that's like how I see you, but he just seems like he doesn't have the ability to do like what you do at work. He's just dumb and childlike all the time. But take me and subtract 20 years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. 
Also, remember just a few minutes ago when we were talking about what we actually know about her in this movie, and then I want us to do the same exercise with him. We know a lot more about him. We know so much. We know that he is one of the only people in his family that wants to continue the family business, that he's got a bunch of rowdy, loud brothers, and he kind of feels like he's on the outs, and he doesn't really feel like he has a place there. We know that he doesn't feel like he's smart, but he is friendly and a good dude and he wants to be with somebody who understands him. Yeah. We understand that he is willing to try new things for the people that he loves. Like we know so much about him and nothing about her. And I feel like she tried to show us through seeing stuff about her, but Paul is telling her all of this. Well, but we also see it with Paul. Yeah. Like it's both. Like there's a like, double whammy. Yes. And, and and like with her, it has scenes where she's with her dad. And you're like, oh, she feels obligated to stay because of her dad and taking care of him. Right. But she never really talks about it. And it doesn't really show it that well. Right. Because I think her standing in the station is supposed to be her doing her dad's job. But I think I was confused about that. And to the very end when her dad is out there. Well, here's what's really interesting. In reading some of the stuff that the director has, has talked about, she viewed that little station house, the little kind of cubicle that she has, as like that character's safe space where it's familiar. And that railroad station kind of represents stagnation. And that, I think, is a metaphor that really works because it's this idea of do you stay here forever or do you go forth from this place to places unknown? Mm-hmm. Great. But that one sim- symbol is not enough to tell us more about her. Like, we kind of understand her obligation to her father. And even when her father at the end is like, I didn't bring you here to be like me. I brought you here to be like your mother. Even that is not fleshed out. We no. know very little about her mother. We know less about her mother than we do about her. We don't know much about her. And yeah. there was this whole subplot with her dad. That I thought this was gonna, that was going to be the big payout. Yeah that conversation and then i was just like what yeah what 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 i needed is an in is a conversation between her and her dad that says i i know losing your mom was rough and it was rough for me too but you have to do things for yourself and you have to live your own life and you can't always be worried about me i'm gonna be okay i'm an adult i can go out i can do the things that i need to do it's your turn to do the things that you need to do for you. But that's a conversation that never happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to the movie. So she at first turns him down because she's like, it's a love letter. You can't like those have to be authentic. And he kind of calls her bluff that she's he's like, well, you don't know. You've never been in love. And she's like, I'll show you a fucking love letter. Like, fuck you. And basically takes the bait and she's going to write him that love letter for 50 bucks. Now, the reason she asks for 50 bucks is because we do get a scene of her calling the electric company and finding out that their bills are past due. And part of the reason is because the electric company and their phone system can't understand her father's accent. So she's calling and having to be on hold at school and she needs $50 to pay to keep their lights on. I understand this. As a plot point, I understand that he lived most of his life in China and probably would have a a thickish accent, but the actor speaks great English. Even when he's talking, I'm like, (laughs) I would have no trouble understanding that. And if he got through to anybody, he he does have full conversations with Paul. I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I bet that actor doesn't even have an accent. Maybe they do. And I, I think this is probably a very real problem that, that people who have come from other places deal with. So, like, I didn't oh. have a problem with that 
because I was like, this is probably a very real thing. It is a very real thing. I had friends uh, in a high school that I grew, grew up with that were Kurdish and they would have to call in for their parents because they yeah. had very thick accents. And when I would go to their houses and like have dinner and stuff, like you had to sort of hang out with them for a while before you understood what their parents, and their parents are speaking English. You just sort of have to like under, you have to like get into like, oh, okay, I understand what those words are. The way you're saying right. them But I understand all that I have no problem with that in the movie The actor does not portray that That's all I'm saying Like mm. when he speaks in English He sounds great Yeah yeah. Well and I think it was also Part of I think he has been in Kind of a depressive episode Since her mother died Oh I wonder Yeah so I wondered that too I wondered if he was just like Not wanting to do it that So he just Yeah Made up an excuse And that really wasn't the real reason He was just like yeah. I haven't gotten to it I'm just gonna tell my daughter It's because of this You know I almost thought he was unemployed For a, a little bit I thought because, I, right. Honestly for a long period of time thought they were like squatting at an old train station that was like no longer connected because nothing's explained like I had no idea she was standing in that booth to do her dad's job that apparently she's been doing since she was 13 like I need yeah. a kid that when they turn 13 they start doing my job and I can just sit at home and watch old movies that sounds amazing we do kind of learn about it a little bit later. A, a little bit, but like way later. Like it's yeah. way. I later. really did think that they that they were just on like dis, like disability or welfare or or something like because he was just always wrapped in a blanket, looking sad, and yeah. she was doing everything around the house. So I was like, oh, she's taking care of her dad. And then um, also, no other trains ever come through the station except the one she lives she leaves on. And so there's one other one uh, when her and Aster are like. Hanging out together that day Before they go to the hot spring There's one that goes through That's oh, it So it's like a metaphor for like That's like some of the changes Like when the train comes She's like changing Yeah yeah probably oh. I would say We do see This is the first time we see her and Paul Meet in the church uh, And he gives her the love letter he wrote And wants her to like correct it And his love letter is hilariously bad <laughs> It's, it's so terrible bad. I loved it though I was like this sounds like Todd in high school Well and, and here's what's kind of a bummer to me is that like if you cut 30 minutes out of this movie and cut it a lot sharper and quicker it would be a much funnier movie because there are pieces of this movie that are very very funny and this is one of them there's like this a couple of the scenes with trig are really funny trig's always a win when he's on screen because he's such a douche so funny and this made me laugh really hard where he's like Same. I like dipping french fries in my milkshake and like supposedly my grandma thinks I'm cute, but now she's dead anyway. <laughs> sorry about the dead grandma. Enough part. about my dead grandma. Like it's <laughs> yeah. so it's so bad. It's terrible. That's basically me on dating apps now. Throughout this movie, I just kept thinking I was like, this is me telling Mikey not to text stupid shit to people on dating apps. <laughs> And then Mikey doing it anyway and then being like, why am I still single? How dare you take our fun from us, Paige? We love it when Mikey sends bonker shit to people on dating apps. I mean, that girl who was like, give me tips for Italy. And I was like, I heard the food there is very good. <laughs> that was actually really funny. I yeah, thought that was, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Tip number two, it's shaped like a boot. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. I think I told her I was like, and also I hear the wine is good. The, they have Italian <laughs> wine. Anyway, she writes this like, you know, she borrows some of it from a movie, but she writes this like long love letter and seals it and gives it to him. And he gives it to her without reading it. And then we get our next basically black screen with a quote on it that says, in love, one always starts by deceiving oneself and ends by deceiving others. That is what the world calls a romance uh, by Oscar Wilde. 
which, by the way, love his writings. Huge fan. Dude did not understand romance and love. <laughs> like No, which is pretty clear if you watch An Ideal Husband or The Importance of Being Earnest, which I love both of those plays. Think they're great. Love Oscar Wilde. We'll never forgive England for killing him because he was gay. And also very poor. Like, don't forget the fact that he was poor because England was equally mad about him being both poor and gay. But he got sent to jail and died in jail because he was gay, not because he was poor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at uh, Portrait of Dorian Gray, I think, and I would, I mean, many people would argue that he kind of paints himself as one of the characters in that movie. Well, what became the story. movie? Yeah, they didn't have well, movies it, back in then. In that but, story, yeah. thank you. And, but it is someone who is is really infatuated and adoring of of dorian and it's not necessarily a healthy loving relationship i would argue that there probably isn't a healthy loving relationship in an oscar wilde story property play i think the only person that oscar wilde ever truly loved was himself i think you could definitely argue that and i think that that's great for him and i love the stuff he created but the stuff he created to me i love because it's witty not because it's like a true version of romance right oh it's all toxic and yeah. real problematic but like yeah i and so when they were like it's an oscar wilde quote in this movie about love i was like i don't think this person understands love or oscar wilde <laughs> agreed <laughs> yeah but don't get me wrong huge fan of oscar wilde huge fan yeah. huge fan doesn't belong in this movie so Aster has written back and calls him out for plagiarizing. And so Ellie is like, oh, so she's challenging us. Like she gets it. So now I can kind of like, we have something in common now. I can build off of it. And thus begins literally almost 30 to 40 minutes of just them texting and writing each other for, and, and not much else happening. So long. It's and like nothing even happens on the text. I mean, it's it is all references instead of authentic conversation. And uh -huh. that's why it's a problem. What? I mean, it is high schoolers. Yeah, but it's it's not so much about like, who are you? What are your likes and dislikes? As much as it's like, I read this book. Did you read that book? I read this book. And you're just like, cheese and crackers. And to be honest, <laughs> Aster gives her a more authentic conversation uh, because Aster talks about how when you're popular or beautiful, everyone wants you to be like them because that by extension makes them beautiful, which is a really interesting talking point that gets abandoned almost immediately. Yeah, I thought that that was like the <laughs> coolest like thing we could have dug into a little bit more. And they only mention yeah. it in passing. And I was like, all right, for the quote unquote hot girl at the school to be that self-aware is cool. Yeah, let's do something with that. Oh, we're not. Oh, oh we're just going to talk about Paul the rest. of OK, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, my favorite is in these kind of montages of, of them kind of talking back and forth. You do see stuff like Trig taking selfies of himself in church, which I thought was really funny. Uh, fucking love Trig, man. You, you see Paul sending her, you know, more and more like $50 or whatever. And constantly having to chase her on the bike, which I think is pretty funny. All, all the bike scenes to me felt very original Mike Tyson's punch out because she's like riding a bike <laughs> and he's like <laughs> running behind it. Except him like him trying to be like a boxer Todd, is not what it is. He was Todd, trying to be more romantic. That is a Rocky reference. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Mike Tyson's punch out, Mikey. Mike they, Tyson's punch out got it from, got Rocky. from Rocky. Like, as we know, I haven't seen Rocky, bro. I have no idea. I know. That's why I'm laughing so hard you're like you know this 
strong boxing property you guys all may have heard of. It's the 8-bit version of Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. They have a hey, montage. Hey, in all fairness, I bet everybody knows Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. I mean, they probably knew Rocky first, and that's why Mike Tyson's Punch-Out used it. <laughs> I feel like Rocky <laughs> is going to be my new Robert England, the guy from Urban Legend. <laughs> I loved him in that Workaholics episode. Oh, so good! I wish, I wish, honestly, he did more movies. Maybe even a series of them. Would love. I it. thought you were going to talk about how awesome it is to run in jeans, and that's what we were going to talk about. Oh, with these no. it's not awesome to run in jeans. That's how I got a ton of yeast infections working in retail. I was about to say, have you ever had to run in jeans? But yeah, and, and yeah. working in retail is really the only reason you should run in jeans. Or you're being chased by someone trying to kill you. Like, right. I'll forgive those. Those are like the only two reasons to ever run in jeans. No. Yeah, it, it's actually, it's really not good for you. You should not run in jeans. And it was one of those things where, like, I'd be working like 12-hour days, sweaty, yeah. in jeans, running around. And, like, it's bad. Don't do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm 100% sure no one wants to run in jeans. Like, if you want to run in jeans, you need, like, help. Yeah. Anyway, she does get into some conversations about feeling like she's different and everyone in town is kind of basic. And should she marry that guy? I don't know. Like, at least life will be good. Almost like she's kind of scared of being different for fear that it will ruin what is probably going to be a pretty decent life because she's pretty unpopular. We're talking about Aster, not... Ellie, yes. right so yeah the whole like i should just go ahead and marry trig um trig like what no you're <laughs> in high school no you should not get married well yeah definitely that i mean but this it reminded me of like mississippi i know yeah. mikey and people in the south do get married way too young yeah my high school boyfriend we graduated it's it's, it's time yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of friends in high school that did get married right after high school or like were planning on getting engaged in high school. Like no one that I know got engaged in high school, but like I know some people who got engaged right after high school and got married. I don't know any of them that are still married, but they did. I know I, I, one or two that are still married, but uh, it's it's rare. Yeah. But what I will say is this and there's a scene in a, in a bathroom where they're kind of looking Ellie and Astor are kind of looking at each other in the mirror and these types of conversations about like do something bold, be different, embrace what's different about you really set up this idea that Aster is going to maybe come out at the end of the movie and then it it just doesn't, which is fine because she has her own journey of like going to art school or whatever. But it felt kind of like we could have done something else here. Yes. It feels like Aster, even if Aster is not gay, it feels like Aster really does kind of abandon these thoughts at the end of the movie where it kind of set up something cooler for her and it just kind of throws it away. I think the payoff didn't work. I think it would have been better if in pursuing Aster, she figures out like she comes out to Paul. Yeah. Like like, in a more like, hey, I I think I'm gay and, and like they both grow due to their like pursuit of this person they put on a pedestal like it, I, I mean like I just feel like there's so many things that they start that they don't finish well I think I'm coming more around on what you feel like discussing the movie I feel more about what you're talking about because I feel like yeah. either focus on the friendship or focus on Aster and her getting together you split the focus and you don't do either of them well here yeah I, I would agree with you and I feel like they they split them with unequal weight because mm-hmm. it's that first hour that's way more about the friendship and the last hour is way more about Ellie and just her personal journey and it's or the last half an hour and it's the better of the two yeah like that 30 minutes is better than the whole rest of the movie 
we miss out on the hour where we could have been having an, an hour of it being that good. You know, like, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, I think sort of like we talked about earlier, I think you have to have all the elements like Ellie's relationship with Paul and like the triangle, right? You've got Paul's right. relationship with Aster and Aster's relationship with Ellie. You need all of those elements, but it really should be Ellie's story that we're telling. So we're seeing both of those relationships through her observations of them and Paul and Astor's relationship through her Cyrano de Bergeracking and helping, right? Like all of that stuff. Yeah. But I think at the end, you got to remove Paul kissing her and saying terrible things to her. But like, I like that through their friendship, there's really nothing romantic there. And it's just their, them being friends. She starts to grow. We just don't get that story, really. What I kept hoping or, or what I felt myself wanting as I was watching this movie is for it to be flipped. And for instead of her helping Paul get Aster, I wished that she was helping Aster get Paul. And that that then that friendship becomes the love story in the, in the third act of like, She's been helping someone find love with a person that's not her directly. And in that process, they've grown close. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, it's Aster realizing that she values the friendship more than the person she was going after. More than she wants to be with Paul? Yes. Yeah. Like, this sounds terrible. Make it a true lesbian love story because this is halfway. Yeah. It is the half of it. Ha. That, that's the movie I was expecting. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that does because make they sense. set Paul up to being like a good heart enough of her coming out and then her and Aster getting together and him being like supportive. Like, the, the, right. the building blocks were there. No, I mean, like, like Paul. Paul is not uh, okay in the version I want Paul is not her friend Aster's her friend oh and they're going after Paul yes no that would have been awesome too yeah yes. yeah no. in, in my mind in Paige's version that I also am here for we see Paul about as much as we see Trig yes exactly yeah because the story's about really Ellie falling in love with Aster and Aster is not gay or I mean at least we don't know or even if, if she is, is. right we yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. but that that gives me much more that in that version the time that they spend is not wasted right because in this version she spends so much time with paul but that has no bearing really on her story or her relationship with aster but if she spends that time with aster hey maybe aster she and don't aster don't end up together but that is her discovering that that relation that type of a relationship is what she wants and that's what we're seeing most of the movie and so yeah that's where i was at but anyway I, I think the movie's trying to say that one supportive friendship can make you grow and accept who you are but i think it really fumbles around with that message i mean is that the message? Should it be? Because then it makes it much more about the importance of having a straight person in your life for your gay story. Does that that's, make sense? I mean, that's true, too. And I kind of don't like that. <laughs> yeah. What's the director's background? This is almost autobiographical for the director writer of this movie. Yeah. It is not exactly autobiographical, but it is mm -hmm. a lot of elements from her story. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think it's written badly, because I feel like she's not written many things, she's not directed many things, and I feel like some things are so self-evident to her, she felt like we wouldn't need it explained to us, right? and she doesn't explain it, which is why we don't get much of Ellie, we get much of the other people, because she, in her mind, when she was writing it, has to be like, okay, well, what 
would their motivation be? Right. And she was focusing a lot on that and not on okay. her motivations because she lived those motivations and she doesn't feel like yes. she feels like it's self-evident. You know, she just hasn't hit that stage in her writing career where she realizes that the audience is not inside her head, which I realize should be like self-evident, but is not always. And that's something it's I've not, struggled and with and things I've written. That's a really good way to put that. Well, but and it's something that when I was in film school, uh, in in screenwriting classes, they had to like break people of this. Where like, yes, yeah. someone would write something, they'd be like, "Well, it actually happened to me," and they're like, "I don't care if that's how it happened to you. That's not the best story you could be telling, right? Or that's not the best way to structure this story." And the reality is, you're not writing an autobiography. You're writing a movie, or you're writing a TV show, and so you're going to have to make some concessions. To make it viewable. Yeah. It's not like you're getting coffee or doing a podcast where you're with two best friends who know you. Right. And you're like, this is what happened with me in high school. Can you imagine? Right. You're telling you're, like, a movie is a different format. I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think Todd hit the nail on the head. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's all speculation. I, that would be my guess, though. No. Having had those struggles in writing myself. She's she's telling this movie like we already know her really well. Yeah. So. There's not a ton of actual fun facts for this movie. There's just a lot of like quotes from interviews that she she did. Yeah. And a lot of those interviews are her having to kind of explain things in the movie because they're not clear in the movie. And I think it's that. I think it's her being like, well, this is how I felt and this is what happened. So through the situation, you should understand how I felt. And it's like, no, not really. You know, so did she not get people to watch it. I'm sure she did. Here's the thing. It's not a bad movie. It's like, not. That's, I liked that's it. the thing. It's it's not bad enough for people to give it harsh critiques. <laughs> but like her friends like be like, hey, I know you, but I can't see I can't hear that. Like if I made a movie, you two would tear it apart. No, your friends are the usually the worst people to read stuff yeah. like you have to pick very carefully who you have. Read your stuff with a critical eye because mm. your friends will always see you in it. And you, the people that have a critical eye that maybe don't know you as well are going to be a truer indication of what the audience is going to think. Well, that explains a lot. Because like the way we're talking, it's like, this just seems like someone who doesn't understand what happened, but then it's like, it's the person, so they have a big blind spot. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this. Although, Mikey, I wouldn't care if she did or not, because ultimately, I liked the movie. I just think it could have been way better. It, re- it was really touching. I just, yeah. I, the more we like dissect it on a critical lens, like especially, okay, so like Tuesday, when I accidentally watched this. <laughs> Because you thought we were recording this that night and not his house that night. 100%. Right. <laughs> what an emotional day. Well, it was like the shooting had just happened. Yeah. Like, right. a, I mean, like, I was in an, an emotional spot, too, and, like, with personal stuff. And, like, and, and I think this movie does touch on some stuff. And it, it has some well-written characters. But, yeah, I think I think more from a critical lens, I, I, I agree with Paige. I think on a second viewing, I would want a lot more, like, what's going on with Ellie. Because you're right. It just assumes we know what's going on in her mind. Yeah. So in this kind of montage that we kind of continue through, this is where we get the five strokes rule Yeah, where yeah. it's kind of like, <laughs> what's your boldest stroke? Essentially, what's the big decision you're going to make that could ruin everything that you've done before or make it great? Yeah. What is the chance? What's the risk that you're going to take? And so they do the kind of like graffiti where they're both, you know, doing their strokes over each other and it makes this kind of cool thing and then it gets painted over. Yeah. I really like that. I, I like that a lot. Although, I, yeah, uh, the five stroke rule I've heard for a long, long time, but about something very, very different. It should definitely be more than five strokes. <laughs> okay. So I've got to, mm-hmm. I've got to work on that then. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good note. <laughs> 
<laughs> but this does kind of push Aster back into doing art because what we kind of find out is that the five stroke rule and the fear of being bold stopped her from trying at all. Yeah, I only stroke boldly <laughs> and only five strokes, Paige. It's like like cock and a shotgun. Why would you put your cock in a shotgun? <laughs> no, like Oh, sorry. My bad. My bad. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard that a different way than you said it. That's on me. That one's on me. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fine. But at this point, Paul gets kind of impatient, grabs the phone and texts her a series of emojis. And she receives it as she's at. Now, I had to read about what this was. Uh, mudding. Wow. You don't, you don't know-, <laughs> know what mudding is? <laughs> no, we don't do that. First off, yes, you do. I know people in San Diego that do it. I mean, it, out in fucking East County, but I've, I've literally never with my two eyes seen it, ever. I've been mudding a few times myself. Same. I hate it. But I understand why people like it. It's just not for me. I don't, I don't care for it. But there are people in San Diego that do it. I'm, I'm sure, but... But, it, but like, Paige, you have to go out to, like, Hamul to, like, do it. Like, way outside of the city, you know? The only reason I've ever been out to Hamul is to see where the Galactic Library is going to be when Unarius's predictions come true. That's the only reason to go there. <laughs> oh, my God. Hamul was the first place I saw a Confederate flag in San Diego. I and mean, then I went to Santee and saw a lot more. But, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, that's the reason I remember Hamul, though. Anyway. Yeah. You know, because they fly Confederate flags in a state that was never a part of the Confederacy. So it's definitely <laughs> yeah, know, about like, honoring your history or whatever. Fucking <laughs> yeah, we idiots. were the North. Um, anyway. <laughs> so. But yeah. So like mudding is where you take your truck or a lot of times it's a Jeep. You like go and like drive through the mud. It's to me, it's Why? real boring. I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, like I did it and I was like. That looks really cool because there's like cool pictures. And then I did it and I was like, it's just not as fun as everyone told me it would be. Yeah. It's just driving down a path. But yeah, exactly. But I feel the same way about camping. And also (laughs) your car could break really easily. And unless you're like really rich, I would not suggest it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I wasn't planning on doing it in my Mazda hatchback. Or if you're really good at like. Working on cars and I was neither of those things and I was like look I can't get a flat tire out in the mud Okay, when I was in high school, I drove a very used it was a 1986 Bonneville So no, I was not going to drive in the mud on that. I drove a uh, 93 Ford Ranger so that is a truck and one time I hit a railroad track going so fast that I got air like the Duke brothers and Wow, and that is where Mikey peaked Literally. High school. In his pants, <laughs> in high school, in life. So I knew it was like a, a big guy, though, because it didn't like, like the movies, it didn't go like an arc. It was just like the back end went up. So I like. Well, yeah, because in a truck, there's literally nothing in the back of the vehicle, right? Yeah. No. yeah, yeah. So I was like riding. I was like, I'm tilted forward. This is not good. Yeah. <sighs> what did you drive in high school, Paige? And how did you destroy it? I actually did not. I drove uh, a Honda CRV. I, I drove a okay. 1999 Honda CRV. Oh, that's right. I forgot Ooh. you guys were rich. My bad. Yeah. My bad. No, it was oh, it was man. it was my mom's car because she got a new car, and I did crash it a couple times. Uh, but it was fine because Honda CRVs live for fucking ever. Jake changed jobs, and so he had to give back his uh, company car, company truck that he was driving. And we went to go buy him a truck and they had a 2000 Honda CRV in the same color and everything. Nice. So we now have the car that I drove in high school, like the same make model, everything with like 100,000 less miles on. That is honestly. Uh, it's great. Wonderful. Yeah. Love it. Would do it again. That's the car that got stolen and then returned. It has 
two different clubs on it and an air tag and a like boopity boop alarm thing now. I love those alarms, man. That company boopity boop makes the best alarms. <laughs> it's top of the line. Five stars. Yeah. Yeah. The Betty Bob Corporation of alarms. <laughs> uh-huh. Whenever someone tries to see your car, it's just like boop, boop, beep, boop. boop. <laughs> Don't you crack inside me, boop boop doo Wow, I didn't realize Paige could do like a legit Betty Boop impression. That's really good. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. I'm sorry. Anyway, so she freaks out and is like, "Hey, uh, my my little sister hacked my phone. Let's go to a secure like ghost app, which I think is supposed to be kind of like WhatsApp or Snapchat yeah. or whatever. Yeah, or like Signal or something like that." Yeah. And her handle is Smith Corona, which is uh, named after a typewriter. So anyway, so they, they set up a date. He goes and she's trying to give him like tips for the date. And he's read. Uh, what's the name of the book? Uh, Remains of the Day. Yeah. Uh, she had just read Remains of the Day. And so she's like, if she talks about Nazis, I uh, think that they should have included more. And she's trying to give him like a primer on it. And he just bungles it where he's like, I love Nazis. The ones in the book, more of those Nazis. Am I right? Which is not what she meant at all. It's also like something you don't ever want to say in public. <laughs> and, but like, I also could see like high school Mikey messing this up, but not necessarily because he's dumb, but because he's like nervous, you know? Like he's got all that nervous yeah. energy and he just can't formulate words. I was words. not good to, at talking to women until I was 31. Mikey, uh, don't take this the wrong way. I think you need to up that age limit. <laughs> I'm not good at talking to women. Thank Full you. Stop. There it is. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, now it's springtime for Hitler, Hitler in Germany. <laughs> Hell yeah, We just Paige. need more of those Nazis, like the sound of music. <laughs> No, those ones are bad. Yeah, the sound of music Nazis are bad. <laughs> so the date doesn't go great. Uh, she kind of is like, it's nice that we're friends. <laughs> friends at the end. And he's like, they use Ready Whip in these milkshakes. And she's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like that, though. I mean, I just like that he was so disconnected from what the expectation of him was because of the text that she's been exchanging with Ellie. Like, Aster was expecting someone completely different yes. than what she got at that date. And I sort of love that she wasn't like, oh, I have to leave immediately because you are not the person I was talking to. Have either of you been on a date like that where the lead-up conversation was so different from the actual date that it made you think somebody else did it? Yes. I still have that problem. Let's talk about the fact that there are some people out there where you will have really good texting chemistry, really good texting chemistry, and then you will meet them and hate them. I went on a date with a guy that had really great texting chemistry, and then we got to the date, and he didn't even remember things we'd said in the text to the point where I was like, someone else clearly wrote these, and I think it might have been your mom. No, thank you. I've never had that happen. I went on a date with a, a girl who was just like super shy or maybe super nervous and she like had she just got clammed up on the date but like when she actually would talk it was very similar to like the text messages and stuff and eventually Mm. she opened up and it was okay but it took her like an hour to like you know be comfortable uh and then after that we realized it wasn't gonna work and we moved on yeah well and that's i mean in this scene ellie i think thinks that that's what it's gonna be that they're just like well you tried it we failed oh well yeah but they figure out a way to basically be like hey i'll see you again in like three weeks so they have time to like prep him for the next date right and they're using like uh him playing football as like the reason he can't see her right when what they should have been using is that aster fully has a boyfriend and probably shouldn't be dating somebody else this entire 
entire movie. It's so strange. It's so it's wild. very strange. Yeah. yeah. Like I thought I had like like fallen asleep or something and missed Aster and Trigg's breakup scene. And then in the church at the end when he like asked her to marry him, I'm like, oh shit, are they still dating? Because she fully is yeah. making out with Paul. Yes. So that may have been why I kind of overconnected to Paul. Because you're the guy she'll make out with but not date publicly? A hundred percent. Oh, Mikey, I've been there. The emotional support guy? Yep. Well, the emotional support guy who gets his friend to be the emotional support to be so you could become the emotional support guy to make out with her? Same old story. It's happened a million times. <laughs> you guys know what we're talking about. You guys get it. A tale as old as time. Song as old as rhyme. Stockholm Syndrome Girl. When are we going to do that movie? Beauty and the Beast? It's one of my favorites. Well, well, that's very unhealthy, Paige. <laughs> well, you, I mean, trust me. I understand and, and I know that it's bad. And I also know that the 365 day movie is going to be bad, but I'm going to watch that too. I cannot believe you're psyched about that movie. I can't, we can't talk about that on this episode. I, I have too much to talk about. I also think it's not at all a surprise that Paige loves a movie about a bookish woman who gets kidnapped by a hulky, shouldery beast that gives her a library. And probably chokes her a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way. Yeah, and then she comes into, like, this movie, and she's like, fuck these teens. <laughs> she's like, I want to date a seven-foot dog with huge shoulders that can buy me a library. Yeah, if these two teens kidnapped that one chick they had a crush on and kept her in the basement for a year and a half and then tortured her and then figured out some stuff, she'd be like, this is a pretty healthy representation of American I teenage would never life. call any of that healthy. <laughs> But I do want a library. God. Hey, you know what's free, Paige? The public library. Have yeah. you been to the public library? Where do you think I masturbate, Paige? I'm homeless. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's too close to home. But it's my mom told me a public library story today. Oh, really? That matches. Yeah. She's like, I had books to take back at the Murfreesboro Public Library, and I went there. And then there were these guys. One of them did not have a shirt. They were fighting down there. Oh, and there was another guy. He was definitely Michael. She was like, he's definitely like severely mentally ill. And he was like dancing around and talking to himself. But it was also scary. I know he's not dangerous, but he was scary. But they were also fighting. And they're in the same place. She was like, I just I couldn't get out of the car. I just went to the book drop. And I and the, the police were coming. And I left. And I, I just don't like the library. And I was like, Mom, go to a different branch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, But also just like public libraries should be safe and accessible. And this is a failing of funding. Oh, you know. yes. Yes. Uh, but what I'm doing for my bodice ripper summer, uh, because I've just gotten back into reading romance trash and I'm living my best life. First off, your naming of what your summer is for what the explanation of it is, is fucking perfect. Well, that's what they're called. That's the kind of books they're called. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. I thought they were just like romance novels. So there's a store locally called The Ripped Bodice ah. that is a, a woman owned romance only store. Okay. And so I've been trying to specifically buy books there instead of on Amazon or wherever sure. so that I'm supporting a local business. And not a monster who makes money off Amazon, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it. But anyway, so yeah, just, you know, give me a library and tell me I'm pretty. Um, so it also doesn't hurt if you're a giant dog man with shoulders, apparently. I mean, the beast is pretty close to Tony the Tiger. That's what I was thinking when she mentioned it at very first. I was like, okay, this woman who wants to fuck Tony the Tiger is also into the beast. Shocker. Well, I do think that he looks kind of weird at the end when he turns back to human because he looks kind of like Michael Bolton. 
Bolton. What's wrong with Michael Bolton? Yeah, hang on one second. Look him up in the 90s and tell me that doesn't look like what the prince turns into at the end of Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I just typed in what did Michael Bolton look like in the 90s and he looks like a stone cold fox. Like, I don't know what your problem is with him. (laughs) Dude's attractive as fuck. The hair's a problem for me. Oh, you'd rather him have hair all over his body. (laughs) Yeah, the hair was a problem because it stopped at his scalp, Mikey. (laughs) I will not be shamed by a dude who can identify the teeth of murderers, okay? (laughs) While they're still in their mouth. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know we've never tested the outside of somebody's mouth i don't think that would work i don't think it would work i need some jaws and structure <laughs> anyway so back to this movie that we're still only halfway through they then <laughs> take like an old train car and basically make it like a library of all things aster which is not creepy at all except it's totally creepy yeah but like if this is a horror movie and aster stumbled into it she would have stumbled into it right before they murdered her like it's that kind right. of weird yeah, and they, they like follow her and kind of stalk her. They they play good cop, bad cop with Trig, who does not understand what's happening, and just says, I'm surprised more kids haven't asked to interview me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is he might be my favorite character in the movie. He's my favorite character. I don't think you're supposed to like him, but I think right. uh both the way he's written and the way the guy who plays him acts, I think is pretty perfect like he's always mm-hmm. a level 11 douche like he's always yeah. over the top nuts even when he's like playing guitar and like dancing on stage i was like love trig i would hate to hang out with him but i love watching him <laughs> yeah so we cut to one night they're kind of working on their like astro project and this is where paul kind of tries to get more information out of her to ask her a question of like why do you live here? Why do you and your dad live here? You don't seem happy. And he's like, I live here because I someday want to run my own shop. But right now, nobody else in the family wants to take over. And my this is my grandmother's recipe. And it's the one last thing my mom has of my grandmother. And it would break her heart to change it. So I stay. And it's this whole like you find out so much about him in that like one line. And then Ellie kind of finally talks about like uh, we had to go where my dad could get a job and he had a PhD in engineering and he was supposed to be promoted up through but he struggles with English and her mom died which I think was a problem. Yeah. I mean the mom dies after they're in the US but. Right. But I think that doesn't help the situation. It doesn't for sure. Um, But again this is him asking about her and we find out about her dad not her. So I think that's kind of another interesting piece of like. Yeah. We're not truly getting her. We're getting other people around her. Yeah. Um, And he invites her back to his house for dinner and they get there and it's just rowdy and loud and terrifying and they immediately leave. But that tells us so much about Paul, like that one shot. And so they come back to her house where they sit with her dad and watch old movies. And Paul is just like stoked to be there. And he just kind of sits on the floor between them. And it's almost like her and her dad are kind of confused by him a little bit. But this kind of starts... Paul having kind of a fun relationship with her dad through the rest of the movie. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. So then we cut back into the montage where like they're doing the ping pong thing to try and teach him how to talk to people. Like how to have a conversation without sounding like a weirdo. That Okay. <laughs> I'm not attacking you, Mikey, just because <laughs> you also struggle having a conversation without sounding like a weirdo or probably did in high school. But so does Ellie, though. So I was like, why is she the one teaching him this? Because she doesn't talk to people. So like, well, even a one eyed man can see for a blind man page. That's true. We cut to (laughs) church where she's kind of texting back and forth with Aster, but Aster turns around and thinks it's Paul and Paul just smiles because he's dumb. Dude, that fucking smile, though, is perfect because he's just like cheesing it and has no idea what's going on. (laughs) No clue. Uh, There's like nothing behind his eyes. It's honestly great. 
Yeah. And we also find out right in the scene after this that her English teacher found the love letter. Yeah. And so the English teacher kind of knows what's going on. Oh, yeah. So she's talking to her about it. And she's like, I just do you have any idea what it's like to find someone your age who gets you? And she's like, yeah. Do you know where else you would find that? College. <laughs> and she's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's, I, I wanted more of the teacher in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get to a scene with her and Paul where Paul is trying to get her to send emojis. And the ones he suggests are pineapple owl pineapple owl caterpillar with glasses so i'll tell you why this made me laugh so much why because no less than within the last six weeks i was sending you guys weird emojis as justice messages yep that 100 yes. did happen yes yes <laughs> and also like if you told me to send that to somebody and i asked you why i do know your answer would be because the caterpillar looks smart with glasses well fun <laughs> fact uh, and i guess it's burning i'm not gonna have any fun facts by the time we're done with this, oh it's but, fine uh the caterpillar with glasses is not a real emoji. They had to make it for this movie. Not a real emoji. Well, it should be a real emoji because it was cute and did look like a smart it caterpillar. It did look smarter. Yeah, like, it did look smarter. It's a caterpillar smarter. that could do my taxes and I need that in my life. I would have sent an owl, the traditional animal of smartness. Yeah. I can tell that none of us are in the mood to just talk about this. No. I love you both. I just want you to know I love you both. Love you too. As you should. You wanted me to tell you I loved you and I'll never do it again because you just shamed that and you shunned my love. No, you said I love you both. You didn't say I love you, Todd. There's a difference. I'm holding out for the one-on-one -on -one love, Mikey. Well, you're going to have to wait till he whispers it in your ear while he chokes you a little bit. <laughs> Welcome to my library. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. Paige is going to start thinking she's watching her porn again. Look what's no. in the back right here. There's no logs here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we cut through another montage of them just having more conversations. Yeah. Like text conversations. And we cut to her and Paul kind of talking about like, she kind of asks him, like, why do you love her? Like, what do you love about her? And he he doesn't really have much to say. He hasn't really thought about it past her being pretty. And then on the flip side, Ellie has this whole like her laugh and her eye, like all of this stuff. And instead of being like, you love her, he's like, I love her and I can't even describe it. And you're just like, man, he's dumb. Yeah. Completely missed the fact that Ellie's in love with her. But all right. Completely. There's this whole thing about them drinking Yakult together. And I'm like, that stuff grosses me out. Have you ever tried to drink Yakult? I don't even know what it is. I mean, I saw them drinking it in this movie, but I've never heard of it. It's drinkable yogurt. We have it at our grocery store. Like all of our grocery stores have it. Okay, cool. I mean, I, I try it. I like yogurt. So whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So we also see them watching a movie where somebody chases after a train yeah and she's like he's a moron he can't run outrun that train and she's crying so she's a moron too because like what she think was going to happen yeah and that's going to come back at the end of the movie yeah but i actually do like when it comes back i called it i, but I liked it was it. very yeah, cute it was very sweet we do get a little bit of her writing that song but again we don't have any touchstone or significance for it and yet. actually now that i think about it i'm not sure if he's in that scene i'm not sure if paul actually sees it so yeah i think i think maybe there's no way he would know that she wrote that song i it must have ended up on the cutting room for floor or something um but the next thing we cut to is the next date between paul and aster which again yes she is still with her boyfriend but yeah yeah that three weeks later date Yes. I wish you could see my face in that scene where I was like, sing your song. What fucking song are they talking about? I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. 
So during this date, it doesn't go well, or at least it doesn't start out going well. And then she starts texting as if he's texting her while on the date to basically be like, I'm shy. I don't know what to say, you know, or whatever. Yeah, I'm nervous when I'm around you or whatever. Yeah. Right. Eggplant emoji, eggplant emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Caterpillar with glasses. Yeah. But the glasses are like down his nose like he's like, oh, Yeah, I like it. Like Benjamin Franklin. Yes, who still has his virility. Wait, that's John Adams. I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so the date kind of ends. He stands up and is like, I don't want to just be friends. I think you're pretty and funny and smart. And he doesn't. He's like, I don't talk well. And she just goes like, that's okay." And we cut to him coming back from the date, basically telling Ellie what happened, that like he walked her back to her car and they kissed because she gave him the look. Yeah, I do love when he's trying to give the look back to her and he just looks like insane i did enjoy yeah, that he doesn't manage it no and this is where they're kind of shopping at like goodwill for something for her to wear to the recital and he picks clothes for her and he does a good job i thought this was kind of like a weird moment for them for him to pick her clothes well also i didn't know he had a sister until this scene either he didn't mention it but we know that he has a bunch of siblings from that one scene so it wasn't weird to me that he had a sister But this role for him with her was strange. I wish we could have seen that scene continue and show him actually pick out the clothes. We do see the clothes later because like I think it's literally the next scene, right? It is the very next scene and I have some fucking notes, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I think it would have been nice to have more dialogue from them. While he's getting her clothes, you know, her in the dressing room, him like throwing clothes over to her, that kind of thing. So we cut to she's in backstage for the talent show. And this is my biggest problem with this is that the piano's not already on stage. Oh, and then she has to move it out there herself? Because every time you move a piano, you have to tune a piano. Like, you're not supposed to move piano. Like They're supposed to be predominantly stationary. And they, they like cut the piano strings so that her like song won't go well. But that's also like, aside from them calling her names, there hasn't been a lot of demonstrative bullying in this movie until this. Yeah. So that seemed kind of out of character as well. But also in, in what world would a high school have one student have to push their own piano out for a talent show? That was the craziest thing I'd ever seen or heard. I was like, what? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Well, it was a solo. You can only bring your instruments out solo. I think the point you're missing, Paige, is that her playing the piano wasn't the talent. It was the fact that she could move it she on could her own. She could push it. <laughs> yeah, that was her talent. It's clearly on a dolly, so like you, she probably could. That's just strange to me. And also, like... I think it sort of takes away from the quote unquote bullying because that string may have broke while they were moving. Like it it may not have been the bullies. I mean, we know it is because we saw it, but like from her perspective, because she didn't see the bullies, she could have just been like, oh, I guess a string broke while we were moving it. Yeah. So she starts trying to play the piano and it doesn't work because they broke a string. Yeah. And so it doesn't sound good. And she freezes. Now, here's the other thing, too. She restarts the song and tries to play it again, but there's a broken string. If she is as good as uh, of a pianist as they oh, have purported her to be, her piano playing. No, no, no. <laughs> she could have changed keys, like up or down, to avoid that key. 
Like, it wouldn't have been completely avoidable, but she might have been able to either move it or skip to a sharper flat. It would have been not easy, but it, it, she could have played around it, I guess. Uh, but we also don't know how many strings they cut. So there might have been more than one. I mean, even if it was just the one, any like chromatic movements in it, you'd still exactly. hit it. Exactly. Although, but like, I just don't care. Like, I didn't really know that she was an amazing piano player up to this point. You know, like, it's not really something they spent a lot of time on. The only time we hear about it is when Aster talks to her about it. And it might actually be after this point. It is. Is it? It might be when a when Aster says that her dad might be a Nazi. That could be where she basically says Ellie is one of the only non-Christians her dad likes because he can't stand to have a bad accompanist. And she's a very good accompanist. So... We know that she's a good piano player. Yeah, but it's fine because Paul steals a guitar and slides it up to her and she plays that song. Right. She plays the song that it is very beautiful and very sweet, but we yeah. have no context for it. And also, Paul didn't know she could play guitar or had written a song. So, Right. I do think from the lyrics of the song, it sounds like it's about her mom, but we just don't know for sure because the movie doesn't tell us. I think it's a safe assumption based on the lyrics, but you're right. We don't officially know. Uh, but this is where Trigg says, when did Ellie Chu get kind of hot? Which I kind of <laughs> thought was great. I was like... What? what? I do love he, that guy. So she's sitting in the signal booth and Paul and some friends drive up and are like, hey, there's a recital after party. You should come. She gets to the house and they're just like, oh, the Chinese girl came. And I'm like, that's exactly as offensive yep. as white, you know, suburban Americans mm -hmm. would be. Yeah. But so they end up playing Drinkers of Catan, which is Settlers of Catan with shots. Now, at first I was like, that sounds dumb. But then we, when we see them playing it, they're assigning different liquors to different resources and then it was hilarious where it's like, I'll trade you barley for some of my rye. And so they're trading bourbon and rye whiskeys. That was very funny. That is funny. But he, Paul basically is like, I think it's time for you to go. And she barfs. So he takes her home to his house. Yeah. Because she is like super drunk, like real drunk. She's super drunk. Yeah. Um, and as he kind of tucks her into bed, he sees all the letters she's been writing on his behalf about his sausages. Yeah. So she's been like writing to food critics and all kinds of stuff. I did think that was she's super so sweet. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It was super sweet. I wish we had more of that a little bit because mm -hmm. this is the only place we really see it. They but do show you in one of the letters that she wrote. She does refer to it correctly as a sausage taco. I know she does not. She calls it a taco dog. <laughs> so the next morning Aster comes home early from like a youth group trip or whatever to Sacramento she talks a lot about Sacramento as if it's a very cool place and having been there it is not I mean she just grew up there it's her hometown I guess or she was born there it's our state state capital it is yeah so Aster comes home and shows up at Paul's house only to run into Ellie who was waking up from the night before and Ellie is like, oh, no, we're not sleeping together. Like, he's totally into you. Like, right. don't worry about it. I just came to give him some books because he was reading up on things because of you. And this is where Aster is kind of like, well, then how about you and I hang out today? Yeah. Because I already kind of lied about where I was going to be, which seems a little out of character unless you're going to follow through with maybe she has kind of had a thing for Ellie the whole time. Yeah. I guess. But characters making out of character decisions seems to be in character for, for this, this movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. But so they go to the hot springs where Aster goes skinny dipping and Ellie goes in in like multiple layers of clothes. I loved this scene. Like this scene is where the movie starts to like get really good for me. 
because yeah. it's just like they are actually having a moment and like I'm enjoying their conversation and it's really cute and I like it a lot. And then when um, Aster is trying to like get her out of her long underwear well, or she whatever. she ends up in the other shirt. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, end, yeah. She ends up wearing the extra I, which shirt. Which I loved. Which, I thought mm-hmm. that was great. And I really loved when Ellie is like, I'm a Russian doll of clothing. And she was like trying to yeah, get yeah, the yeah. one off of her. I'm sure you did love that line. Yeah. Listen, you got to layer up. I get it. Ugh. Yeah, I just think of that her jeans she had underneath that were probably uncomfortable wet. Yeah, well, what I really wanted, to be honest, was in this scene for Aster to be like, I've known it was you the whole time. I wanted oh, that too, and I wanted shit. them to kiss. I wanted yes. them to kiss in this scene. That's that what been I great. wanted. Yeah, or figure it out, or figure it out in this scene so that they have kind of a romantic moment, but they don't a- at all. Uh, it's very much a friendship moment. Yeah, it's a super cute friendship moment. That's it. Right. She does kind of like poke at it a little bit where she's like, I don't think I've ever hung out with a girl and not talked about boys. And they do talk about Paul. And what she says is like, he's a sweet guy. But then when he writes these things, there are things that feel very not safe. But by not safe, what she means is kind of testing the boundaries of her comfort zone. Yeah. Essentially not like Mm -hmm. unsafe. Like I'm coming with a knife. Yeah. Not like I mean, even not unsafe, bad, like unsafe. Yeah. This is new territory and I'm not sure if I'm into it or not, but I'm not not into it. Yeah. Well, and and what I would have loved would would have been for that conversation of things that test my comfort to have progressed into well why do they test and what makes you think about that and then for her through that to figure out it was her yeah and then for that but instead what we get is this weird conversation about like yeah maybe i should marry trig and you're like what What? like no why (laughs) no but they have kind of a fun day they end up floating and she drops her off at home and as she leaves she says i hope you find something good to believe in basically like whatever it is yeah uh, she goes inside and finds out that Paul made them sausage, uh, but is not there. He's already gone home because Aster drives from there to see Paul and asks him if he believes in God, which is uh, it's kind of out of nowhere. See, I don't think it was out of nowhere because she asked Ellie, too, when they were in the hot springs and Ellie doesn't. And that's why I think Aster says, I hope you find something to believe in. Well, here's what I here's where it would have made more sense to me is if she had already suspected that Aster and Paul were actually the same person or no, I'm sorry, Ellie and Paul are the same person where she was testing what one would say versus the other. Yeah, because I I don't think it has a huge amount of bearing on the relationship, whether they do or not. Um, But he basically says, like, oh, I saw your painting. It was pretty. Thanks. But that's all he has to say about it. And they end up kissing and Ellie watches it from the window and has a small emotional reaction to it, but not a big one. Yeah. But she sees the college application, the picture of her mom. And I guess it's implied that this is where she decides she's going to go to college. That's what I got from this scene, too. But no words are spoken. So it's hard to really tell if this is when she made the decision. But that's what I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like. I'm I'm happy for Paul, but I wanted this for myself, so I'm gonna go to you have to really infer, infer. Yeah. Well and and I guess there's a part of me that's like, at least in a mo in a movie, and, and probably for most regular people, I think we'd get a scene of her acting out against Paul because of this jealousy, somehow. Okay. Of just like, I did all of this. She doesn't love you, she loves me. Because that, you know, that's the reality of it. And I feel like that's the human reaction, here, especially yes. for a high schooler. Yes. And yeah. for and her not to it. do it at all feels weird. It 
feels very strange. But the next thing we cut to is the game. And again, he's just got done kissing Aster. So he he's at the football game. He waves to Aster. She gets there. And then Ellie gets there and he waves to Ellie a lot longer. Yeah. And then catches the ball and makes the touchdown. So they score for the first time ever. In 15 years, at least. In 15 years. And yeah. I think they win the game because of they it. They don't. They're, they Do were they da- not? Is it no, a losing game? They were down 49 to nothing, Paige. That's hysterical. Because yeah. there's a banner for him later in the movie just for scoring that one, that <laughs> that, one touchdown. I didn't see that. That's funny. It's really funny. He becomes a, a hero at the school because he scored a touchdown. Yeah. In a game they lost. Well, and <laughs> he created the taco dog. He did not create the taco dog. He created the taco sausage. Yes. Even better. So he finds Ellie, who's loading up on Yakult's from the vending machine in the gym, which is one of the only places it has them because she would have to drive like something like three hours away to the nearest grocery store that carries them. Three hours by bike. That's what it is. Yeah. But I mean, if Mikey and I know anything about women, it's when they're doing this, they are ready to be kissed. (laughs) Nope. No, they're not. Uh, But that's what Paul thinks. And Paul ends up kissing her and she's like, whoa what and he's like is there someone else she's like what no what are and as they're she's kind of befuddled by it aster walks in on it i did like this shot because you can see her in the reflection of the vending machine so you see her face and uh you could tell ellie like sees her and she's like fuck yeah and it's like this whole thing and that's when paul realizes that ellie is gay but Aster runs right. off, and I don't know if Aster realizes it in that moment or not, but it's possible she does realize it in that moment. I don't think she does. I don't think Aster knows until she tells her at the end. I, I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't know, because we don't ever get that. And I, there are things I like about the fact that the main character doesn't tell everyone she's gay, because it's like, we don't need that, you know? like It's not their business. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. bother me, but mm-hmm. I just don't know because of that if and when Aster knew. I don't think Astra knows till the end. Clearly she does at the end, right? I mean... Yeah, no, I don't think she knows here because the only reason Paul figures out is because... Is the way she's looking at Astra yeah. after... The way she reacts yes. to Astra leaving. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and he says, it's a sin, you're going to hell. And I just, in my notes, I'm like, oh, this took a left turn. <laughs> like yeah. This, yeah. Because it's I was so like, out of character. I was like, wait, what? I didn't realize that this movie was produced by the 700 Club. It was 700 brides for 700 brothers. 100 brothers. Um, <laughs> he runs away. He he literally like just bolts and she goes home. She's clearly upset. Like her friend ran away after trying to kiss her. It's a very confusing day. Yeah. So she's walking home and she runs into Trig who's like, I know why you're always hanging around. You're in love with me. And she's just like, sure, Trig, I'm in love with you. And as she says it, her dad sprays Trig with the like sprayer from the sink. God, I thought that was so funny. Yeah, I actually really did love that. So good. She goes home and Paul is like a football star now at school the next day. And we then cut and he seems lonely and sad without her. But we cut to him at the home computer at his family's house searching how do you know you're gay yeah and then he closes it but doesn't clear the search history he's so, stu- he's so stupid i don't think he actually closes it i think he turns he the screen doesn't close on. it yeah he just puts yeah. the and then the mom comes in turns the screen on because it's like the family computer it's not like his personal well, laptop she just saw him leave it too so like yeah this, i thought this pays off this payoff was really good Th- this payoff was pretty funny but it made it even more out of character her for him to act that way to ellie once we find out that like how his mom feels about it later anyway so like yeah. So he goes to Ellie's house and has a talk with her dad. And he's like, you don't see what she is or what she could be. And then 
her dad gives like a monologue in Mandarin that is actually very, very sweet where it tells the story of like she's been doing his job and basically all the jobs around the house since she was 13. Yeah. And he is afraid of her changing and leaving, but she has to. That's what her destiny is. Yeah. We cut to a church service where Trig gets up on, and it's Easter Sunday and his reading is 1 Corinthians 13. And as soon as he started reading 1 Corinthians 13, I was like, no, he's going to propose. Yeah, like, I knew it too. But this is like the one quote that you hear at like every wedding. Like if it's a basic sort of wedding, like yeah. this is the one quote that you hear at it. Yep, yep, yep. I, I think we chose not to have this read or we may have had it read first. But then our actual readings, we went with Song of Solomon uh, because like no one reads the sexy book. And we were like, do it. <laughs> anyway, so the proposal starts and Ellie yells no from the like balcony where she's the accompanist. Yeah. And she can't quite find the words for why she's objecting. But then Paul stands up and he says no. And he's like, I've been pretending for a few months. And I would, I was thinking about how much it sucks to have to pretend that you're something you're not all the time. So this is him and his realization and coming to terms with Ellie being gay. And I'm like, I don't care what he thinks about it. I care what she thinks about it. And she doesn't even really get to say that. She she doesn't even really get to react to Paul turning on her. She really yeah. doesn't have much of a emotional reaction to that either. Yeah. But so she kind of admits that she was pretending and Trig tries to interrupt her. And she's like, hey, I've been writing your papers for years and I'm going to rewrite you one last time, which was so great. It was great. Yeah. But then she's basically goes into love is messy and horrible and selfish and bold. Um, and it's not finding your perfect half, but it's trying and reaching and failing sometimes. But love is being willing to ruin your good painting for the chance at a great one. And I was like, these are platitudes that do not necessarily translate to healthy relationships, but fine. Yeah. And Aster now hearing the words that she had heard from who she thought was Paul, but is definitely Ellie realizes what has happened and she just says you and ellie says yeah and aster walks down the aisle slaps paul and leaves yeah and as everyone's taking their seats paul's mom leans over and is like are you gay because i love you no matter what yeah and he's like i'm not but i do want to change the sausage recipe and she's like are you fucking insane <laughs> which was very funny but that made it even weirder that he reacted so strongly to Ellie being gay. Cause I'm like, your mom yes. doesn't care. Like what, who told you that this was a problem? <laughs> Basically. I, well, and they sort of blame it on the church, I guess, but like there are I plenty guess. of Christian churches where being gay is completely acceptable. I think from what you talked about earlier, Todd, I feel like if this is all like her, like her stuff that she is writing this like rose tinted glasses version of Paul that of, of that Paul in her life where like maybe Paul did have more of a growth journey where he wasn't as ex accepting of, of gay people. But like that kind of just gets glossed over into one saying where he thinks you're going to hell to now. Yeah. And yeah. And then but like in her mind, she's looking back as he is now or if they're still friends or how he affected her now with all of it together and she just doesn't write it well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We cut to a scene between her and her dad where they're making a ton of dumplings and he says, well, it's, you know, six days for 18 meals. And what is not immediately clear but becomes clear in a bit is that he's basically made her food for her train trip to college because um, she's going to take the train there. Well, what made it incredibly clear to me was like you expect her to eat dumplings 
morning, noon, and night for six yeah, days? For six days. <laughs> um, also, there's no way it takes six days to get from California to Iowa by train, right? Oh, yeah, it is. It, it takes like almost two days to get from Southern California to Northern California by train. Why the fuck does anybody take a train? Be- well, here's the thing, though, because it, it's got a bunch of stops. That's why it takes forever. It's because it stops yeah, everywhere. And one of them is in front of her front door. And one was in front of her friend. That is true, uh, but, yeah. And, and I mean, the way she's traveling by train is going to solidly suck. Uh, but Amtrak, you can get like a cabin. So it's almost like you stay in a hotel room for a few days while you travel. And they like have room service. It's like a whole thing. Anyway, it's I, I guess it's like it's an overnight. It's like 30 hours or something from like here to Portland or whatever it is. Um, but so, yeah, six days cross country. I could believe that. It's not across the country, though. Like, I mean, Iowa's not close. Yeah, but it's middle of the country. It's not. Yeah, but she's going from like Washington, like Western Washington. I'm not good at geography. So I really if you would have told me 14 days or four, I would have been like, oh, OK, uh, it takes 73 hours and 42 minutes approximately that seems crazy to me and that's if she doesn't get off at any stops or anything she must be able to take a train for free because i'm on amtrak right it's now. also it's expensive as fuck i know like that's what's crazy trains are wildly expensive yeah i mean i i know people who have taken like if you have pets sometimes it's a little easier on trains or if you have a kid where you can put them to bed and let them actually sleep as opposed to being on an airplane i i kind of get it but it's not cheaper to to take the train comfortably yeah i'm on amtrak site right now looking at a train from seattle washington to just a city in iowa because i don't know where she was going Mm -hmm. but like the cheapest ticket is 330 dollars yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably about what it would cost you to fly there these days. Sure. But if you want a room like you were talking about, that's three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. and that's why she's in the cheap seats. Yeah. So crazy. Anyway, so we cut to she's standing outside a restaurant waiting for Astra to come out. And it just says, like, I guess the store below the restaurant is called the Turning Point. And I'm pretty sure they shot it there just to have that in the shot. But yeah. I'm like, this is not really a turning point in the story. But she basically tells, like, confronts Aster with, like, you know, I'm about to leave for college. What are you going to do? And Aster's going to go to art school, which I think is meant to be this big momentous thing for Aster. But it's really not. I mean, it kind of is, I guess. But she apologizes and she and Aster's like, yeah, I probably kind of knew, but whatever. And Aster kind of gives her this, like, who knows, maybe in a few years, like, who knows where I'll be. Uh, And so Ellie kind of rides away to be like, okay, well, goodbye. And then turns around, rides back and kisses her and is still like, I'll see you in a couple years, which is kind of an ending, but not super. Uh, We get one last black screen. She is going to art school. So she is going to art school, which means high probability of experimentation, but Mm -hmm. can't guarantee it. (laughs) Some people just be straight. I honestly sort of like that we don't ever get that question answered as to. Aster's, I guess, sexuality, maybe. I mean, she is dating men throughout the... I mean, she's dating Trig the entire movie, but, like, we don't see them be overly sexual with each other. I I don't know. Like, I didn't care that we never found out if they were going to date Ellie and Aster. Like, I just didn't care. I I sort of liked the way it ended with it being sort of open-ended because they're going different places. Like, Ellie's going to Iowa and she's going to art school, and I doubt that's in Iowa. So, like, yeah. It might be. That's where uh, Andrea Gazetta went to art school. Oh, no shit. That's really funny. I just like that Ellie... Was more confident in who she was and yes. felt comfortable approaching Aster and putting it all out, putting it all on the line and like mm-hmm. going for it. Yeah, agree. 
we get a black screen that's just the pineapple owl caterpillar with glasses. Yeah. And we cut back in where she's leaving for college. She's at the train station with her giant cooler full of of dumplings and she basically saying goodbye to paul and he's really sad that she's leaving but she gets on the train and then he chases after her on the train yeah and she still kind of like cries a little bit and just says moron yeah and And that's that's the movie So having seen the movie, having talked to the movie, what do you guys think about the half of it? I guess Paige convinced me that I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel bad. That that wasn't my intention. It's not a bad movie. I think it's just, it, it has potential to be better than it is. Yeah. And that was frustrating. I think you're right. And I think the pacing issues aren't as big as problem as me is going back and seeing it through a critical lens of two or like one decision each character makes that is so out of character that yeah. it takes me out of the movie or, or affects other parts of the movie. Paul saying that she's going to go to hell. Everybody, I think everyone had that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And we never really get any resolution to his belief that she's going to hell. So in my mind, he's going to be friends with her, but yeah. he still thinks she's going to hell. Like, I, I mean, I just don't think Paul is a good character because of that one scene that is so out of character. I do think he changes his mind. I don't think cool. he thinks she's going to hell, but but we don't but ever know that because it. he doesn't yeah. ever apologize for it, and it doesn't say that. Yeah. So in my mind, he still he's going to be a nice person to her and be friends with her, but in his mind, she's still going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're going to be that big of an asshole to somebody and you're not going to apologize, like that's that was hard for me in this movie. Well, and, it, and it is out of character. It is nothing else about him suggests that that's the way that conversation would have absolutely now what i could have and would have accepted if they wanted to create conflict in that revelation that she's in love with aster is him feeling betrayed like she was trying to get aster for herself Mm -hmm. and not him yeah that to me is a human reaction that makes sense yeah it's logical that's him being like this whole time you were after her for yourself like that is a logical reaction i don't know why it went the other way but at least no one died <laughs> except for her mom yeah but she was dead the that entire was not movie on screen. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like many other things in this movie it does not show us that <laughs> true all right well Paige, do you have any fun facts for us very few well hit us with your five facts those very few, few fun, fun facts. facts the opening monologue is a story told by aristophanes in plato's symposium um, so Aristophanes is a playwright at the time of uh, Socrates and Plato. I can't tell you how hard I had to just remind myself that it was Socrates and not Socrates, but whatever. <laughs> and the symposium is a dialogue about a dinner that Socrates attends. So it's kind of like a almost like a morality parable that's told during that time um, in symposium. And that's also where they get the title of the movie. Um the text handle that Aster has on Ghost Messenger or whatever it's called yeah. is Diego Rivero. Uh, it's a play on the name of a Mexican artist, Diego Rivera. Um, and it's supposed to allude to Aster's Mexican heritage. In case you did not catch that in the movie, Aster is Mexican. Yeah. Aster Flores. Uh, the author of the book Remains of the Day is Kazu Ishiguro, uh, a Japanese Brit. But he deals with themes in that book, basically exploring the fluid sexuality of his characters in the book and their inability to accept it. Um, and it's supposed to kind of reflect some of that in this film as well. Okay. Even though it's just a, a throwaway comment, it's only in that one scene. Uh-huh. 
Um, but uh, so the director in an interview basically said that Paul's comment about Ellie's sexuality being a sin isn't said in anger or judgment, but is but in sadness because he's been raised to believe this. And he's devastated thinking that his friend will suffer. That's not at all how it plays in the film, but that was the intention. Okay. But it doesn't really matter because that's not <laughs> really what the film depicts. Yeah. Anyway. That's so bizarre. It We've is. already talked about yeah. it, but like it's that's so not what that scene shows. Yeah. And and it's there's a, a couple other things like this, too, where like the script originally had a woman on the train asking if Paul was her boyfriend after he chases the train. And it gets cut because the director instead wanted to focus on all the trains, other passengers, all of them looking out the window for something, Ellie included. But basically returning to Ellie's face, we feel like she's found something and the knowledge is that she's going to be okay. And I feel like that's a lot to try and communicate with just two or three shots and maybe not all of that is conveyed. Yeah, I definitely think not all of that is conveyed. Because someone could have been like, is that your boyfriend? And she could have been like, no, that's like my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And that could have conveyed the same thing. Well, all that would have conveyed is that she has a friend now. Like, yeah. 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 Which is more than this silent moment conveys. Now, here's what's kind of funny, though. There's another moment like this where uh, the studio wanted to cut the mudding scene And she fought to keep it in, saying that this scene will tell you everything about this town. And I actually agree with her on that, because I think that one scene of all of the popular teens, they're mudding. I'm like, I fully understand what this town and this culture is. Yeah. So in that regard, like, yeah, I think she's right. In order to find a movie that had someone chasing after a train at the angle and visual that they wanted, they... Uh, have them watching a Hindi movie called The Villain from 2014, but they had to like look to find one. It was very difficult to find one that they could use in the film. The taco sausage is supposed to represent uh, Astor's Mexican heritage and Paul's German heritage, and that's why he creates a taco sausage. I, I can't. I cannot get behind that metaphor. That is the <laughs> exactly literal dumbest thing I have ever heard in my whole life. Yeah, like. <laughs> It's too late for me to get upset. (laughs) The actress who plays Ellie didn't actually speak Mandarin. So the director, Alice Wu, recorded all of the lines for her and she learned them phonetically. Wow. Um, That's cool. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the end credits include a thank you to the director's English teacher from high school. And she's the inspiration for the teacher in this movie, who I hope had more screen time in one cut of this somewhere yeah um but those are your fun facts well thank you for your fun facts page now we would normally do box office right now but this is a straight to netflix release there is no box office information available including budget so i don't have any of that for you and we also would normally do are they still together but we know at the end of the movie no one's together so here here's the question do, do you, you think, think they that, got back together? yeah do you think aster goes to art school experiments a bit and they get back together at the 10 year reunion. I'm going to say no, but only because I do feel like Ellie finds a different path when she goes to college. And I I don't think that Esther's even on or that Aster's even on her radar later in life. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, yeah. And you know, we have no indication that Aster is gay or not. So that's still a toss up too. So yeah, I do think Paul and Ellie stay friends. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. Paul's sausage company is successful. Absolutely not, because everyone's confused as to what he's actually selling. No one is confused. <laughs> Only you are confused. I think he's successful. Her saying that it represents <laughs> two different cultures makes about as much sense as Paul being like him talking to Ellie, being like, I wanted to take the Mexican culture and the German culture 
and put it together taco sauce. Well, and he does try and make one with Chinese five spice, which would be really interesting as well, like a really interesting flavor profile. Um, so I think he's going to have like some cool artisanal sausage store and I'm here for it. Well, all right. I think he's going to learn how to talk to women and then he has got a good heart and hopefully he lays down the down. sausage. Yeah. yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Mm hmm. So this week, Mikey made us watch the half of it. Next week is my week. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make you watch a movie that features, I think, the best pirate king to ever walk the streets of Penzance. But we're not watching the Pirates of Penzance. We're watching in and out Yay! With Kevin Klein? Yeah, love Kevin Klein. And it's the reason I wanted to do in and out is because I saw it a long, long time ago and remember almost none of it. I've never seen it. I remember watching it as a kid and hating it because it was boring, which tells me I have no idea what happens in this movie. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm very interested to see, A, if it holds up because it's a movie about sort of a gay relationship and coming out in the 90s. And mm -hmm. that to me is scary just because that's a very problematic time for that sort of story. Um, right. And I do remember watching it. I don't remember if I loved it or not because it was a long, long time ago. So we're going to roll the dice and see what happens. But I do love Kevin Klein. I've never seen it, but I have heard that you should order the animal style fries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to In-N-Out, you absolutely should. But it's like a movie about Kevin Klein. And I know there's a kiss between him and Tom Selleck, although I'm not sure that him and Tom Selleck end up together at Who the end. Who wouldn't kiss Tom Selleck? Right? I don't know. We'll find out. But your homework for next week is to get wine drunk and win an Oscar. And during that Oscar speech, out your former acting teacher who was also about to marry somebody. Because that is where in and out the movie starts. I do remember that. Oh, shit. I thought that was like what happened in real life. And I was like, <gasps> J'accuse. No, but, no. Okay. I think it's based on something that did happen. In it real is life. based on Tom Hanks's Oscar acceptance speech for the movie Philadelphia in 1994 when he outed his, I believe it was English teacher and one of his high school friends because Philadelphia, Tom Hanks plays a gay man, right? Um, right, right, and he, right mentions them by name and mentions that they were two of the best people he's ever known, but he does out them publicly. Oh, no. I am not a hundred percent sure if either of those two people were out to everyone else in their life. Oh no. But I know in the movie in and out Kevin Klein's character is not out. Okay. And also animal style means grilled onions with some thousand <sighs> Island and cheese. So it's okay. so good. It really is so good. If you're going to in and out and not getting animal style fries, you're literally not hearing music the way it was meant to be played. I've only been twice in my life, and I've had animal style fries, and it, I agree with you what you're saying. Yeah, they're so good. Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do. Awesome. I am going to write. I'm not going to write. I'm going to read Sh -sh -sh Shannon's review. Sh -sh 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 Shannon. The review title, Pick Me, Choose Me, Read Me. Wow. I sort of love it. All right. Well, what does Sh -sh -sh Shannon have to say? This is the best trio in podcasting. Agree. I wouldn't know. <laughs> they keep me lulling at my desk all day to the point that my coworkers think I'm weird. That means laughing out loud. Yes. I'm familiar with what lulling is, Mikey. Listen once and you'll be hooked. Also, I'm not single, but Mikey can get it anyway. All right, Mikey. That sounds complicated. <laughs> well, thank you, Sh -sh -sh Shannon, for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five-star review and also tell Mikey that you want to fuck him because apparently that's the only way he'll pick your review. That's what I learned. I'm not going to say it hurts your chances. <laughs> 
He's currently going through the Facebook group looking for everyone named Shannon. Dear Shannon, I never thought this would. Dear Shannon, I never thought this would happen to me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin, and that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on, but Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn. It's, it. it's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show oh. SHO like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. Buy me a library. <laughs> Come touch my taco. Is it a sausage taco or is it a, a taco sausage, Mikey? Well, the sausage goes in first to the taco, but they have to love each other first. <laughs> and that's how Jack in the Box mini tacos are born. <laughs> Bye. Just the way God intended. Mini taco nerds. <laughs>